Welcome to The Wrong Side of the Maelstrom, a Warhammer 40,000 podcast based in southern Ontario. My name's Ian, and my co-host Jason will not be joining us tonight, as he's crossed the Damocles Gulf to purge the renegade Farsight. This is episode 11, and tonight we will be focusing on third-party FAQs. And I'm joined by friend of the Maelstrom, Tyler, a member of the local Greater Windsor Table Warriors Club and a seasoned tournament player. Uh, but before we get to the main topic, we start off with hobby progress and games played. We have a rules lawyering segment on cover saves. And finally, Tyler and I close out the show by discussing X-Wing and Beyond the Rim. Be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash wrong side of the maelstrom. We're also on iToysoldiers at itoysoldiers.com slash wrong dash side dash maelstrom. If you wish to contact us via email, we can be reached at wrong side of the maelstrom at gmail.com. Finally, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Right now, we have the Finisher Army Hobby Challenge going on. You can check this out over at iToy Soldiers. There's a link to it up on our Facebook page. Uh, basically, you commit to finishing uh, army or any number of models, really, if it's part of an army, by August. And then we're going to be giving away trophies and having a big game day, one in uh, Windsor and one in Toronto. So uh, check that out and get painting. Also, Brimstone Games in Windsor has a miniatures night on Tuesdays, so be sure be sure to check that out. And if you're local to Windsor, join the Greater Windsor Table Warriors over at itoysoldiers.com as we have regular club days so you can come out and get some games in. Uh, Jason's home store is Games Workshop Young & Lawrence in Toronto, so uh, they've got a great group of players there. I've uh, been there several times for games and uh, a lot of good guys. And currently he's got the Return to Colorax campaign happening. It's a Kill Team campaign, and that's up on uh, the Facebook page. Or a link to it's on our Facebook page. The Young Lawrence GW has it up there, too. Anyways, uh, please enjoy tonight's episode, and we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom. And second time on the show, actually, is uh, my good friend Tyler. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. So Tyler, if you remember, was interviewed for our coverage of the Highlander tournament a few weeks back. That's right. Thanks so much. Yeah. So uh, thanks for coming on the show again. Man, it's and, awesome. I've been like waiting to be on the show. I know. You're like, hey, forever. <laughs> hey, can I come on the show? Well, you know, next time Jason did. No, no, we need people. Come, come. <laughs> let's go. Let's so, go. Let's do this. Yeah. Here so, I am. Yeah, so uh, how long have you been playing Warhammer? Uh, I've been playing since the dawn of 5th edition. Uh, I originally got back, it was uh, just at the very end of 4th edition, so this would have been 2008, I think, 2009, something that like right, that, yeah. somewhere around there, and uh, I had actually started building a Chaos Space Brain army, uh, because my buddy gave me the 3.5 Chaos Codex, and I was like, oh okay. hell yeah, I want to do a Night Lord's army, mm-hmm. and then not two weeks after I started, the 5th edition Chaos Codex was released, oh, okay. and for those who are familiar with the 5th edition Chaos Codex, they 
butchered the flavor of yeah. the 3.5 uh, Chaos Codex, and I was instantly turned off. Like mm -hmm. I played it for a little bit, ran the whole like Lash Prince thing, and that was all fun. But then I was like, I, you know, boring. Been there, done that kind of yeah. thing, you know. And it's, uh, you know, I moved on to other armies, and uh, you know, speaking of which, you know, I played Chaos, and then I played Orcs for a little while. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. A lot of people actually, a lot of people actually don't know that because like yeah. this is this is before like this is well before I like came around to the club and stuff like that. Okay. I was just uh, basement gaming with like a good buddy of mine and stuff like that. He he mm -hmm. ran Eldar, um, and I was basically just experimenting with different armies at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. And then it was actually uh, in fifth edition when I came across the Tyranids for the first time, mm -hmm. uh, when their fifth edition codex dropped and. Uh, by this point, I had, like, learned, like, well, there's aspects of the Chaos Marines that I like. Like, I like the psychic powers that they have and stuff like that. And I like, mm -hmm. you know, some of the toughness and rigidity of, like, things like Demon Princes. And, yeah. But I kind of like the horde aspect of the Orcs and stuff. I was like, well, where can I find the happy balance? I was like, yeah. oh, here we go. Tyranids are kind of looking nice balance. And it kind of, like, has a sense of everything that I like. And, mm -hmm. I, I like, I personally, like, love the Tyranids fluff. Like, I think it's pretty awesome to have, like, these fucking, like, crazy... Yeah. intergalactic space predators that are, mm -hmm. according to Fluff, like, hands down, probably the most powerful army out there. Fluff terms, I think. Definitely but, the but most dangerous. De yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not powerful. Powerful powerful stuff in the wrong word. But yeah, dangerous like, in, in, in the sense of, like, impending doom that they bring. And that yeah. really appeals to me. Yeah, just I the... I kind of like impending doom. <laughs> <laughs> as nihilistic as that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> The, the greatest threat to the galaxy right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think like I think that's pretty badass. Yeah. And like I know it's hard to have character development in an intergalactic yeah. alien species. Uh but I'm gonna find a way to do it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm gonna use your character creation rules and make a badass hive turn. Yeah, you and will. create some cool fluff. Nice. I just don't know what <laughs> yeah. it's 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 a hard task. Wait. With the Nids, you can kind of, like, make your own uh, high fleet or, like, splinter fleet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. like, there, there's room for, for you know, for making your fluff or whatever, right? But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's hard to put that human aspect to it, right? I mean, you yeah. can't... Uh, it's, it's hard to do, like, the character development in a turn. Yeah. Like, it's very easy, very easy to create your own high fleet with its distinctive, you know, traits mm -hmm. and characteristics and stuff. Um, like, I, I'm kind of a little plain in the sense that I just, you know, I'm painting mine in, like, Leviathan colors. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I like the fluff associated with High Fleet mm -hmm. Leviathan. I like that they're kind of, like, the, um, the, the result of the lessons learned against, you know, fighting the, the galaxy at large, you know, right, from, right. from the High Fleets of, like, Behemoth and Kraken and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, like, th that's my personal favorite, but, like, that's thing that's cool about Tyrannus is that, mm -hmm. you know. Or any army for that matter, the fact that you can just adopt it to, yeah. to what you like, right? So. Yeah, definitely. Alright, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, I definitely see you as like the Tyranid player of the club, so I was, yeah, I didn't know you had yeah. other armies. Yeah, I did, I did dabble in other armies, and as you know, I have like a Space Marine army yeah. on the side, right? Um, and uh, I've tinkered with other armies too, like I, mm -hmm. I started collecting Blood Angels and Space Folds for a little while, okay. I remember that, it was a few years ago, it wasn't too long ago. I didn't, it didn't last very long, I played yeah. it for like five months. Six months, and then I sold it all. I was like, ah, you know, fuck that. I'm not gonna do that. So, and I also played Dark Elder for a little bit. I did not know that. Yeah, I now granted, I only got up to like maybe a thousand points, if that. And I didn't get to play it too too much, but again, like I kind of like overburdened. Like I kind of have this bad tendency of like splurging on like and having like three or four armies going at a time. I'm like, okay, this I I had to stop my addiction. 
and yeah. sell one or two of these off and yeah. get back to focusing on some of these other armies and then it all happens again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I can relate to that. Oh, yeah. So, um, what have you been working on recently in terms of, like, hobby progress? Uh, yeah, when it comes to hobby progress. Um, well, I have been doing uh, a lot of work for the Can Hammer. Uh, team tournament coming right. up. So you're representing the uh, Great Windsor Table Warriors. Yes, I am. Um, and I know your buddy Jay and his That's right, yeah. So uh, well. Games Workshop Young and Lawrence, they're uh, sending a team. I don't know what their club's called. I forgot to check the name yeah, of their team. That's okay, I'll discover it and then... And crushinate them? We're going to crushinate them. Well, yeah. Yeah, we're just going to do it. I was going to say we're going to try it, but I'm like, no, we're going to just do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've been doing a lot of work on that recently. Uh, like, in the past couple of weeks, I've managed to uh, get a squad, a brood of ten gargoyles done. Mm -hmm. Um finished the, like, the details of my hive crone and stuff like that in his base, so he's all done. Yeah. And I also got my two harpies done. Yeah. Um, so I feel really confident, actually. And yeah. uh, I don't have too, too much left. I just have ten more gargoyles to paint, yeah. uh, a bastion, uh, three mucolids. Um, and originally I was going to have a, a flying hive turn and a moloch to paint, yeah. um, but I'm actually making a change to my list. Okay. Uh, I had two moloths in it, but it's just not working. <laughs> they keep scattering all over the place and never hitting their target, and yeah. I just lost my patience with that. I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to take a fourth hive turn because... It so, needs to have happened. <laughs> are you running two uh, CADs then? Or uh, like no, a... uh, because you can't run double CADs. What I'm actually going to run is a uh, combined arms uh, with a high fleet detachment. Okay. So the high fleet is out of the Shield of Bale campaign. It's like lots of gargoyles and stuff too, right? Uh, or... No, that's a Skyblight. So I, I basically have three detachments until I've got the combined arms, a Skyblight, and the high fleet. I okay. only brought the high fleet so I could squeeze in that, uh, that fourth... Uh, Flyrant because mm -hmm. uh, you know like, I I knew I was okay. I'll remove the two moths and put a flyer in, it. and then I like looked at my you know, mm -hmm. looked at my list and was like, uh, wait, I can't quite squeeze this in. When I just retinker this, yeah. and like you know, fortunately the event allows uh, four four yeah four detachments okay. for this event, so you know n no concerns in that respect, uh, and it's, I I hope well I'm sure it's going to be a lot better than the two monologues because. Yeah. Like I said, they're just not working. <laughs> like, yeah. I just can't seem to get a hit worth, like, you know, yeah. to save my life. <laughs> it's just and not your, happening. Your tear notes look really good, too. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I mean, uh, yeah, they they definitely take a lot of work. I mean, like, yeah. one thing about the Leviathan scheme is that it's got, you know, a really strong contrast between light and dark colors. Yeah. You know, like that really, like, white kind of flesh tone with, like, yeah. a black, like, dark, you know, that black and purple kind of yeah, character dark purple and uh, so yeah. like I'm always kind of like screwing up in little spots and, mm -hmm. and when I'm doing like the black on my carapace I always like hit the flesh and like with the brush yeah, and yeah. Like, fuck and I gotta go back over and cover it up and yeah. stuff like that right but you know, cause um, we, yeah we've been painting at the uh, Tuesday Night Miniatures at Brimstone and like I see you just like working away at stuff yeah, so, man, it's, it's like... It's time-consuming. It is, like... Yeah. And I find, like, for my scheme in particular, like, it's a lot of the base work that's so time-consuming. Yeah. Because, like, what I generally do for, for my nids is I'll uh, I'll prime my guys white, mm -hmm. and then I do a, uh, a Drucci Violet wash mm -hmm. over top of that, uh, and I do it really, really thick and get right into those crevices yep. and stuff like that. And then I just start building up my layers with dry brushes. And mm -hmm. I do, like, not completely dry brush, but, like kind of like a wet dry brush if you will okay you know so like i'll keep the paint pretty thick on it yeah um 
and I'll start with like a skull white and then work my way up to the pallid witch flesh and you know and then finish off with uh, top highlights with uh, the Praxi Praxi White or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's called. I think yeah. it's called Praxi White, uh, yeah. and that's how like that's basically how I do my flesh. And it turns out really well. Um, cool. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of like that pink kind of wash that you see in like the, the Tierney Codex for the Leviathan right. scheme. To me, it looks it just looks weird. Like, it looks yeah. odd, and I don't know. Like the purple, like it just fits a lot better, and it, and it meshes with like the purple feathering on the carapace too. So, cool. uh, I'm overall pretty impressed. It'll be, it'll be sweet once they're all done. Nice. How about you, man? Uh, I've it's only been a week since I last recorded, but I picked up some centurions and built those up with Grav. Nice. So I was gonna good choice. If you're going to buy centurions, you. You should build them with Grav. Yeah, I was gonna magnetize them all, but then I was getting like really sick of building the all the weapons and stuff, and it was. Oh man, I know. I like so, I bought my centurions and like same thing. It's just yeah, so kind just, of like, an annoying. Not not super difficult, but just just an annoying kit. Yeah, of, you know, especially with the weapons. But so I was like, I'm never gonna use Grav. I haven't put the chest mounted weapons on yet. I think I am gonna magnetize those because I've been using missile launchers. But I don't know if I'm gonna switch out to bolters. So yeah, like yeah, I kind of in hindsight, I wish I magnetized mine because like I can see swapping those out. You know, yeah. like especially it'd be cool to like have like you know. Uh, a little bit more of like a heavy, like you know, vehicle kind of concentrated devastation yeah. squad, right? Like as opposed to more anti-infantry. Yeah. Um, though I like the the hurricane bolter, you know, especially sure. since you have the decimated protocol, so you're shooting your grab cannon with the hurricane bolter. Yeah, for sure. Infantry and like, I, you're still laughing. <laughs> yeah, I think the main reason I want is for the range, just because. Yeah. Like, the grav cannons are so short range. If anything's outside twenty four, it's like okay, well, I'm still threading things with the missiles. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, naturally, then I fought uh, Dom's demons, and I'm like, oh, well, I don't can't take Graft against those. So, like, now I'm like, yeah. maybe I should have magnetized them. Yeah, Graft doesn't work as well against them, uh, no. <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, it's really cool, because I didn't put the heads on. I used uh, Space Marine shoulder pads to make them look like uh, like a sort of a void suit, like space walking oh, thing. Oh, that's I pretty cool. I showed you on Tuesday. Yeah, I think so, but, like, maybe that detail escaped me, because I didn't quite pay attention. Oh, okay. I kind of just, like, glanced and I was like, hell yeah, man, Centurions, you know? Yeah, no, so it's, like, really sunken in, but okay. I, I think it's, instead of, like, a little head popping out, it's like, okay, well, the head is somewhere inside. And you yeah, so you have more it. just, like, kind of like the eye level up kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's it, I'll, cool. I'll post pictures on our Facebook page, but, um... If you go, to, I think it's Dave Taylor. He does a bunch of conversions online. He's got like a blog. Okay. Right. He's been featured on uh, Bell of Lost Souls and stuff. But he did a centering conversion for his Mechanicus, and that's where I got the idea from. Nice. All so right. Cool. His yeah. looks way better than mine, but man, those ones so cool when they're painted. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm gonna paint like a uh, black for the visor and put like a nice uh, gloss coat on there. Yeah. So speaking of which, uh, what are your uh, what are your hobby goals? Oh god. Uh, okay, so we just I should mention we just started the finish your army hobby challenge. That's so. right, which by the way, I have to post for it still because yeah. I've got a, I've got my list in my head. I just gotta get her down. Yeah. So I've it's got, almost as big as yours too. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. So I posted like over a hundred models on that. So yeah, I still need to. I haven't done any painting this week, but I'm gonna work on try and get some assault marines knocked down. Then nice. I want need to get the centurions finished and primed. Right so I can work on those. What about you? What are you looking to do? Uh, well, I mean, like, right now, the, the name of the game is getting tournament ready, for mm -hmm. sure. 
Um, you know, and I'm coming along. I'm making good progress. Uh, you know, next on the chopping block, I think I wanted to uh, bang out the Bastion, mm-hmm. get it over and done with. I also, I think either tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to do last of my green stuffing work on my mucolids and give them the right amount of tentacles that you're supposed to have or whatever. Oh, okay. Because uh, I just have them with just two for now just to keep them upright. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just going to green stuff, extra tentacles or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I'll do that and get them primed ready and then just paint that in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm just going to start tackling uh, the two high tyrants and ten-man gargoyles after that. Nice. I'll probably try and do it like kind of batch paint all that together. Like, mm-hmm. so I actually found, like, believe it or not, but like the two harpies that I painted... Oh, excuse me. On the two herpes that I painted, uh, I actually painted both of them almost in a complete day. Wow. I, I literally spent a day painting them, and like, which yeah. actually blew me away because I didn't think that I could paint that fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted, like I did have to spend a couple days after like finishing all the details, like the highlighting and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, for the, for the most part, I got like all the base work done. Uh, on like like the flesh was completely done, mm-hmm. wings were completely done, and I had the the base coat of the carapace. So all I had left by the end of that particular day yeah. was just the uh, the feathering on the carapace. Right, and then right. the fine details, like painting like the teeth and eyes mm-hmm. and basing. And that was all that was left to do on both the harpies. And I think uh, a lot of that was attributed to the fact that I was uh, kind of batch painting monstrous creatures by like, mm-hmm. I would go and wash one harpy, put it down, and then wash the other one. Then by the time I'm done washing... That harpy, the other one's completely dry. And I'm like, hey, bam, let's start dry brushing that yeah. one. And then just go back and forth between the two. And like, you'd be surprised how how much time it like it knocks away by doing that. Yeah. Because like, so you also like kind of get a little more due diligent about it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you're like, all right, well, I'm just going to... You know, like, you, you, it's that extra motivation, like, okay, I mm-hmm. finished one, let me just finish this next one, like, the other one, and then I'll be good. Yeah. And then, you know, like, you spent, like, that extra half hour, hour, whatever, to do that step. Yeah. Then you take a step back, and you're like, hey, wow, like, I spent, you know, three hours, and then they're, just like, I got both of these, uh, yeah. you know, wash, base-coated, and primary highlights. Yeah. Like, wow, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's amazing how fast it goes. So, I think mm-hmm. I'm going to do the same approach with the two flyers, and... Yeah. I'll be able to bang it out in no time. And then I just have uh, a display board to build too for the tournament. Nice. And then that will be good for a little bit. And I'll yeah. have to take a little a little breather. Because yeah. <laughs> it's some pretty intense painting, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, when even when I'm doing characters, like an independent character, I'll get two characters and like work on them in tandem. Yeah, like, especially like if you're like, especially like with single models, right? Like whether yeah. they're a character or a monster creature, I mean like... It only makes sense to kind of batch paint in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Because, like, instead of, you know, twiddling your thumbs, waiting for the paint to dry, you might as well just paint it in the model. Like yeah. Paint, right? so and like, then, like, if you use a palette and, like, get paint out of the pot, you're half the time you're wasting a bunch, so you kind yeah. of, like, use a few. Yeah, After, that was another bunch. reason, too, because, like, um, now, now, mind you, like, I know that uh, Ivor from the club and mm-hmm. West too, have also, like, they've mentioned to me that they're uh, wet palette painters. Yeah. Um, and I, I really had to start adopting to that style yeah. because um, I could, like, I can only imagine how much paint you save, you know? Because, yeah, like, exactly. a lot of my paint kind of dries up as I'm sitting there. Like, I'm, I have a bad habit of, like, being like, is this enough paint? Uh, I'll scoop a couple extra just yep. in case, you know? And then I'm like, because it might not be enough. And then, sure enough... Half of it's kind of half dry by the time we get to it, and it's just, yeah. you know, I end up wasting yeah. several, several drops of paint. You know? Yeah, same here. Man, yeah. So I gotta get out of that habit. Yeah, me too. Alright, uh, we'll be right back to talk about games played. Yeah. Okay, games played, uh, where we're gonna talk.
talk about the Warhammer 40,000 battles we've played in the last uh, two weeks or so. Mm -hmm. So, Tyler, who have you been fighting? Well, uh, I'm going to talk about three games okay. uh, in particular. Because uh, all my games lately, in the past month or so, uh, have obviously been tournament prep games. Yeah, tournament uh, practice. So I'm really yeah. trying to like you know focus on like my time and... Uh, really, you know, finesse my technique and tactics down, right? Mm -hmm. um, so my first game was against uh, our good buddy Dan. Yep. Um, and Dan was using his Tau mm -hmm. uh, this time around. Um, he brought uh, he brought a pretty nasty list, I'm not going to lie. He brought Riptide Wing. So he had three mm. Riptides. Um, and then he had a Storm Surge. Yeah. Uh, and then a Commander, like a simple buff commander, like a Marker. Marker drone command. buff yeah, commander yeah. Uh, with eight marker drones and three pathfinder squads and a couple fireberry squads. Wow! Um, lots of marker lights. Huh? Lots of marker lights. Yeah. Um, now, fortunately, like so, so we're, what we're doing is like the the event I'm going to is a ETC event. It's a four man team tournament, so it obviously uses uh, the ETC. Uh, uh, missions and scenarios. Yeah. So ETC, what does that stand for? Uh, European Team uh, Championship. Okay. I believe. I'm pretty sure it's it. Or or European Tournament Circuit. One of the two. I forget exactly. What I think it is the Team Championship. I haven't heard. Of, I thought it was Tournament Circuit, but when I was doing research for the show, I think. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's European Team Championship. Yeah. Um, I could I could be I could be wrong. So, don't quote me. Um, but. Uh, but again, so I've been practicing for that. So mm -hmm. um, the the missions use Eternal War missions combined with uh, Maelstrom, uh, Maelstrom right? like yeah. right out of the book Maelstrom with modified uh, tactical objective mm -hmm. cards, uh, and also uses kill points in the missions too in every single mission. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the game started off. Uh, he deployed everything on the board. Um, I it was a while ago, so I believe. I believe I actually took the first turn in this game because I really want, needed to eliminate that marker light threat yep. ASAP. Mm -hmm. um, so the first turn came around. I was able to do some pretty decent damage. Uh, took out some of his pathfinders and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, was you know was pretty lucky in also doing uh, a couple. I think I did a couple early wounds to one of his riptides, but nothing nothing major. Yeah. Uh, nothing significant. Uh, game went on. Uh, like the game was a while ago, so I'm trying to remember details. Just the highlights. It's, it's, it's like, a little vague, yeah. but uh, but the battle was really, really, really close. Really hard fought. Uh, yeah. My strategy was basically to uh, decimate the rest of the army mm -hmm. and leave the riptides alone because I knew that I didn't really have the tools to deal with it. Right. And if I could just eliminate all of his small units, rack up some kill points. Mm -hmm. um, and just play the objective game as best as I could. Yeah. That that would be pretty much my best chance at winning. Uh, especially since Tau is a really hard matchup for me. Yeah, so much Skyfire. Oh my god. Yeah. Now, now, granted, Dan didn't bring any Skyfire in this particular game. Uh, what? Yeah, he actually brought, wow. like... Because I actually played his Tau a few weeks prior. And yeah. he brought, like, a super anti-Nid airless. And he brought nothing but... Excuse me, nothing but Skyfire, and yeah. surprisingly, I actually did pretty well against it. Um, a lot of that was, uh, uh, a lot of that was attributed to luck, though, because mm -hmm. I had Null deployed in that particular game, and I remember deep striking like my Harpies and Hive Crones and Gargoyles, and he intercepted it against a lot of that stuff. But I was right. able to keep my Hive Tyrants, and I just flew them in, mm -hmm. and they were they were safe from interceptor fire. 
Um, but I kept him away from the action for the turn that they gave yeah. him. Uh, so I didn't get a lot of the early turn damage, but they he largely ignored my high turns. And in that game, all my high turns had uh, Psychic Stream, which was money in that game. Right. Um, like, <laughs> it was actually surprising. I'm pretty sure Psychic Streams alone did, like, a combined, like, eight or nine wounds throughout the three replies that he used in that game. Yeah. Uh, but in this game that we had just played, uh, I only had... One instance of Psychic Scream, no Catalyst, so I was, you know, a little nervous. No feel, no pain, right? No feel, no pain, yep. Um, So, the game went on. Uh, It was very close. Uh, After everything was said and done, I ended up, or sorry, we ended up having a draw, actually. Wow. Um, Now, I did kill his Storm Surge, and... I don't recall, like, I, I feel like ETC has some kind of modification where, like, you get bonus victory points okay. for, like, killing Lords of War yeah. or something like that, or at least clinking off wounds. I know the ITC has their own modification where you get... secondary objective, I think, for ITC. Yeah, for the yeah. secondary objective, I think it is, where every three wounds gives you a bonus... Bonus uh, victory point or something. Counts for, like, a kill an enemy unit or something like yeah. that, or whatever it is. Something along those lines. And so I wasn't sure if the ETC had a clarification like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't have my stuff with me, so... Uh, we called it a draw, but I may have actually won the game yeah. if there is something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But it definitely... It, it, was, it was a good, uh, good battle. Lots of lessons yeah. learned in that one. Uh, my second game in that day was against our buddy Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he brought Necrons, and he didn't bring a really crazy Necron list. He brought Jakirian, mm-hmm. um, which right off the bat for my army is very, very hard to deal with because yeah. Devourers with AP Dash already puts me behind the eight ball when when facing the uh, Necrons. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, he didn't bring anything crazy, but he just brought a lot of like ten man warrior squads and yeah. you know a couple ten man immortal squads and. Uh, you know, on paper doesn't look that impressive, but when you're playing against it with, mm-hmm. you know, tiered weaponry, it's kind of a different story. And I just wasn't able to get the kills that I really needed. Yeah. And he had two Catans, so he was running the Nightbringer and the Deceiver. Oh, And, uh, like, uh, I was able, I, bl- I think I was able to kill one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Nightbringer ended up getting a little carried away, and he was just mopping up a lot of my Gargoyle Broods really easily with his Gaze of Death and mm-hmm. this and that. And I ended up losing the game pretty drastically in the end because mm. uh, the combined, even just, you know, the uh, rapid-firing gauze weaponry. Yeah. You know, because he had such good board control with the amount of units that he had. Because, yeah, he just had these plain 10-man warrior squads, but he had like six of them or something like yeah. that. And they were all over the place. And he had excellent board control. Was he running to Kyrian? Yes, he was. Okay, yeah, so yeah. a lot of so, plain but tough units. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And unfortunately, my army is one of the armies that it's absolute shit for low, a, low AP weaponry. Yeah. In fact, I have none except for Exocrines uh, and Molochs, I think. And Smash, but... And Smash, <laughs> but, you know, and yeah, Close Combat is the best bet against, you know, Necrons and stuff like that. That's hard to... But, yeah, yeah. it's it's still hard to get through that armor and reanimation. Man, yeah. it's tough. Really tough match. So I ended up losing mm-hmm. that game. Um, so I know that if I want to go into this team tournament, I don't want to pair my team against, like my army against Necrons. They're definitely yeah. one of my kind of feared opponents. Yeah. Just only because I just I can't get the damage done to them. Yeah. It's so hard. You know, it's hard enough for armies that can ignore their armor anyways. Yeah. But yeah. alone one that can't. Um, but I learned a lot from it. Uh, and the third game uh, was against Dom mm-hmm. on our Tuesday night. Yeah, uh, Tuesday uh, paint night, uh, which again I'm going to promote right now and say that if you are in the Windsor area, you gotta come out. 
Uh, it's always fun. Mm-hmm. Always have a blast, and it's a great opportunity to get to know your clubmates a little better. Yeah, come out. Uh, Brimstone Games, Tuesday evenings, roughly like 5 to 10 p.m., come usually 1,000 points for games or bring some stuff to paint. Yeah, and I'm actually the guy who, like, you know, anybody who's willing to come, like, during the day, like, I'll be there. I'm always I'm always there for Tuesdays. It's, yeah. That's that's our go-to day. No, we've um, really been building it up, so it's getting better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're seeing more faces there. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, so Dom and I scheduled to play a game that day. Um, mm-hmm. So he brought his Eldar, and he was trying just a couple new different things. Uh, I was surprised to see no Wraith Knight. Um, so yeah, right off, he's, right off the he didn't bat, run that against me the other day too. Yeah, right off the bat, I was like, uh, "Wow, okay, I'm surprised yeah. he didn't bring a hand against me because, like, hey, I could use the practice, but you know, like, it's cool. Like, I'm, I'm interested to see what you bring yeah. instead." And he ended up bringing the allied Dark Eldar. Um, right. So he brought yeah. an Archon, and the Archon was just bare. I think I don't think it was anything special. And he brought uh, two uh, Cavalite warriors and raiders. Um, with the Splinter Rack. With the Splinter Rack, yeah. of course. Um, which weren't really too crazy, but it, it was a good unit to have on the board. Mm-hmm. It was another viable threat, especially to all my monster creatures. He did, the one unit did some very good damage, actually, to uh, uh, my Heartbeats and Hive Crown, actually. Yeah, they're not e- they're not bad at taking down flying monsters creatures. Which not at with all. With the re Yeah. With and the a lot of rack. shots, yeah. And man, I always forget about the, uh, the fact that Open Top... Uh, transports like their occupants can still overwatch yeah I always forget that I, <laughs> like, I always like so boldly like my mama's gonna charge your raider now yeah. like with a big grin on my face and then you know uh, usually like it's Rob who I do this yeah. against and he's like alright I'm gonna overwatch you and I'm like how that's right you're in an open top all passengers is it just open top or is it all I believe it's just open topped I, I could be wrong. Maybe it is all passive. I mean, open tops is important because all of them fire. It's not just like yeah. one or two. Maybe it so. is. Maybe it is transports, but as long as they have firing points. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you're not uh, overwatching out of a land raider or something. So. No, yeah, definitely nothing crazy like that. But uh, I know at least for open top transports. Yeah. It's oh yeah, of, definitely. And against Dark Elder, like man, that 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 rapid fire poison can be absolutely brutal. Twin link too with yeah, the rack. Yeah, twin link. Um, so, like, so, I made that mistake in game. I remember yeah. charging my monologue, and I lost, like, two or three wounds to the Overwatch, and I was like, wow, that was supremely dumb of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, the game went on, so he had that, and he also had, uh, two Scatterbike, uh, units, yeah, like, two yeah. eight-man Scatbike units with Warlocks in each of them, and then a Farseer in one of them. Yeah. And then he had two Dark Reaper squads, like, two nine-man Dark yeah. Reaper squads. Um, which I think was a little much. Like I think he sank a little too many points mm-hmm. in that. Um, granted, uh, whatever they shot at, he was actually doing some decent damage to them. Yeah, Dark Reapers are the bane of like fly. I don't. They don't all have Skyfire though. But they, no, they don't have Skyfire. They ignore Fire. Jink, which is they, filthy. Yeah, well, they they ignore Jink, and they also get to reroll to hit against swooping uh, monsters creatures what? and uh, and flyers. Wow. Yeah, like, so... I didn't know that. So, like, yeah, they still snap fire, yeah. but they get to re-roll their hits, though. Yeah, yeah, So they're yeah. still generating some decent hits, at mm-hmm. least. Especially with, like, Strength 8, AP 3 uh, miss- missile. missiles, yeah. Like, man, it was absolutely brutal. Like, so, uh, so as the game went on, um, the, the cover that we had in-game, like, mm-hmm. it was a lot of those, kind of, like, those larger ruin pieces. Right, right. So... I had uh, I, I I at least had some spots on the board 
to at least fly my uh, my creatures over, and even if they were swooping, they could still claim the cover save. Yeah. Because um, they are explicitly different from flyers, which is nice, so I can get that cover save. Mm -hmm. um, so I never really had to jank, but there was a couple times, like my Hive Throne, for example, I had to put them out in the open. Mm -hmm. And of course, like Dark Reaper is just point and click, yeah. and off the board he went, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the game went on, it was, it was a good fight. Uh, but Dom was just not able to take down the tyrants fast enough. Right. And the three of them were just like he able to he killed the one uh, in turn two I think or something like that fairly early on, mm -hmm. but the other two were just able to just put the wounds on the scatter bikes and eventually they dropped down and mowed down a bunch of the dark reapers and then charged him in close combat mocked mm -hmm. him up and at that point in the game I had you know really diminished his force had really good you know, really good board control, uh, was doing really well on my mouse from objectives. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure I ended up winning the game, like, uh, I think a final game score of 16 to 4, and so the victory points, something like I had, I don't know. It was, it was, that's it was, very good. It was, it was a large, it was a large, uh, large margin. That's funny, because that's very, it's almost the same score as the game Dom and I played. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so, so, speak, yeah, so let's get to that now, because those are my games played, so how, yeah. how about you, man? So, I've been playing Dom a lot lately. Because uh, he's trying to get his main games in as possible before he goes back to work. So he was running his demons. So on Tuesday, me, you, and him sat down and talked about like the new formations for demons yeah. and stuff, trying to come up with a viable list for him. So we were doing 1,500 points, and he brought um, their Decurion. I think he brought their Decurion. So he brought the Taliban. Which is the <laughs> most ridiculous name. I still can't get over that. Like, I yeah. remember just sitting there, and then like, I just said, out like, the Taliban. The tell. Oh, wow. God. Good job, GW. Way to, way to pay attention to your world, uh, yeah. your world happenings. <laughs> so, yeah, so he brought 40 Playbearers, three, unit, three units of Nurglings, a Fate Weaver, and three Forge Fuckers. I don't know what they're called. The Soul Grinders. That's the one. I think you're confusing with the Forge Fiends. Yeah. The Chaos Fiends and Forge Fiends. Yeah. So, uh, and I brought uh, Skyhammer. I was running Raven Guard, nice. not uh, Blood Angels. So Skyhammer. And then a few other mixed in units here. An Inquisitor with Serval Skulls. And I didn't bring my Centurions. Instead, I brought a unit of uh, Stern Guard veterans. Oh, right on. So they were pretty good, especially with their Ignores Cover Bolters. They um, they melt a combi melters, but that like I completely whiffed that uh, yeah. turn. Like yeah, but their combi belt bolters just like ripped apart plague bearers. I think I love about the Stringer too. I love the, yeah. the versatility. The, the, the versatility in their ammunition is uh, it's great because they can tackle so many yeah like, like a, a huge variety of threats out yeah. there like cover line threats you know uh three plus armor threats this and that like it's High cool yeah, they've yeah. got they've got a solution to everything so yeah especially uh, if it's calmly melted because then they take down vehicles yeah so it's like all right we got all the bases covered more or less yep. except so, when you whiff yes <laughs> <laughs> like i was firing at a de uh, not defiler the soul grinder jesus uh soul I was firing it into, like, cover, and I don't know. I, I didn't have a lot of units in Melta range, so that was part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And then he made, like, three out of four in-ball saves or something ridiculous. Like, it was just... It always, you know, honestly, man, like, every time I'm playing, like, Chaos or Demons, I'm flabbergasted with how well it seems. Yeah. It seems to me that Demon players can roll consistent five-up yeah. in-ball saves. Because I can't roll five-up in-ball saves 
for my fucking life. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I am always just praying to the dice gods. Every time I roll, my feeling no pains. I'm like, come on, just give me this one. Just give me this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, highlight of the game for me was turn one, gunning down Fate Weaver. With nice. heavy bolters and bolt guns. Oh, that feels so good. Oh, because he had him, he kept him in the back line, like right on his board edge. So I'm like, okay, there's no way I can deep strike Skyhammer and assault that guy. Which is, Which is what he's saying. I'm sure he's like, I don't yeah. want to get Skyhammered. <laughs> but the problem is, he had a unit of Plague Bearers with the um, Herald right in front of it. And the Herald had this thing where every non-Nurgle unit within six inches is minus one to toughness. Including oh. Fate Weaver. So Fate Weaver's now toughness four. Still got a four up involved, but he's toughness five base. Uh, yeah, really, I didn't yeah. know that. Unless Dom fucked that up, but yeah, I could have sworn he's toughness six, but I could be wrong. Most demon princes are toughness five. Although he's, he's a greater demon. demon. Yeah. That's why I'm like, is he sure about that? So I could swear he's toughness six. I could be wrong, but well, you'll have to double check that. Yeah. But regardless, though, so okay, so so just I'd uh, so I was running ten man Devastator squads. My um, sky hammer. Okay. One of them had bolter heavy bolters, so. Both of those heavy bolter combat squads just took out Fate Weaver. Nice. Yeah, it was so good. It feels so good. Well, from that perspective, it feels pretty awful oh, to take was, down, yeah. take down like a monster creature like that with just the bolt yeah. guns. But man, I mean, you know me, I'm a tier player, and I've lost like flying hive tyrants, like yeah. a single brave bolt pistol shot with a guy covering his eyes shooting to this guy and goes pop and it just happens yeah. to hit my tyrant well, and fall out of the ground. <laughs> yeah, I had second term and Dom said afterwards like I forgot to put him up in the air. That was so stupid of me. So he was like still on the ground. Oh really? Yeah. That, that, wow, that is well was sorry Dom, fun? but that was not your brightest move. <laughs> He's he just was getting used to the army. And like it was a very it was only fifteen hundred points, but it was like three or four hours because we're constantly looking up rules. He's trying to figure out the demons and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and the demons are like they're a tricky army to learn. Yeah. It takes it takes time. Like I feel like demons and tyrannids are two armies that are that are like that. They're they're yeah. similar in that they're so different from the yeah. rest of the common trend in 40k which is transport vehicles and basic infantry yeah. and special elitists and stuff like that whereas demons and tyranids uh are really standalone in that they're mm -hmm. like hey well demons like you know bring a lot of summoning and you know you got yeah. these crazy you know demon monstrous creatures all over the place and you got tyranids with you know shit ton of flying monstrous creatures and their mm -hmm. own very large range of monstrous yeah. creatures which are you know a little subpar <laughs> yeah. at the moment, unfortunately, but... Uh... Yeah, so, um, first turn, took out Fae Weaver, did a lot of damage, took out, like, a unit of Plague Bearers, maybe a few other things. It was looking really bad for Dom, and then he started summoning in more and more units. His stuff came in from Deep Strike, and it started to look a little more even, but by then I just racked up so many Maelstrom points that... Oh, you guys were playing Maelstrom, right? Yeah, and we played the... It's the number six mission where you start off with six objectives. Oh, each turn oh, yeah, you do yeah. one less. Which that was the first time I played it. Oh, really? Yeah, and that I kind of like that mission. Uh, I kind of do too, but I, I was I'm thinking about now, and if it was like me where I got an early lead, then the other player doesn't have a lot of opportunity to get back in the That's game. That's kind of the one. Like, and I was just about to say that too. Like, I like that mission, like, uh, cinematically. Yeah, but like. But in terms of, I guess, like fairness of the game, yeah, yeah, it's a little, it's a little questionable in a sense that, like, then you have the other one on the opposite side of the spectrum where it starts off with one and you like, yeah, add the cards around. as it goes on. It kind of has the opposite problem, yeah. right? Where, um, 
you know, where sometimes people can catch up too easily at the end. Yeah. Like, okay, well, now i got all these, like, i got a secure yeah. bet of three, three times, and I yeah, get to, yeah. I'm right there. Um, but, yeah, so it was ended up being pretty rough for Dom. Like, I got, I my final score was 16, and I think he had less than 10. So I don't remember exactly. He didn't even want me to tell him. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember you telling me earlier tonight too that you said that his play bears weren't really working out for him, eh? And yeah. His stuff there. In well, general. like if I had ignores cover, like I had some flamers and the uh, stern guard bolters, then mm-hmm. I would just tear them apart. But otherwise, I just ignored them. Because like, what are you gonna do? Like yeah. they're just sitting there in objective. It's like okay, well, it'd be nice if I can kill them, but the nurglings worked out really well. Like, deep striking on new objective, they get, like, three or two plus cover save, and they're four wounds each, so they're hard to shift. Like, I would take them out in close combat, and it would take, like, three or four rounds of fighting. Yeah, like, they're, they're just like my rippers, in the sense that they're great for stealing objectives yeah. and stuff like that, right? I mean, like, they're perfect yeah. for just popping up. Especially uh, Nurglings, because they're essentially fearless. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, the instability, the demonic instability like, kind of fucks them, but... As long as they don't die, they're st- they're staying there. So, yeah. yeah. So that was a that was a good game. We got a rematch tomorrow, I think. So next time on the podcast, we'll talk about that. Nice. We're doing eighteen fifty. Yeah. So he's switching up his list. He's not doing the Tukurian. He says he's taking like a CAD and then adding some other stuff. Yeah, which I think is gonna be better in the long run because like the one problem with a lot of those demon formations is that they're, they're huge. They've got some massive taxes to them. Like, well, it's like the Zinch core one is like nine units. It's like, what the fuck? That's so like, many. How, like, how are you going to re- realistically, like, effectively play that? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, sure, it's nine. That's Zinch's number. whoop de doo You know? Like, yeah. how? Well, I, I how think some of those units, that? it can be small. Like, for example, the Nurgling, Nurgle unit is seven units, but you can take three-man Nurgling bases. Yeah, for like 45 points. Feet, Something like points. that, yeah. Some cheap amount, like, which, yeah, like, which isn't that much. And I think... I don't know the minimum squad for Screamers, which I think is part of the core for the Zeech one. See, the think... core of this. No, it might be Flamers. Oh. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't remember. But I do, like, I, I have a feeling that, like, one of them is, like, units where it's kind of like the Beast of Nurgle, like, for, like, that yeah. Nurgle one, right? You could just, you could just take one Beast of Nurgle and fill out the requirement, like, and just Yeah, yeah. but then it's... But, yeah, what, what, what the fuck's one Beast of Nurgle going to do for you, right? Yeah. Like, it definitely seems to that it's... Meant to be played at higher points, like two thousand or twenty five hundred. So yeah, which like, which is kind of like uh, I don't know. Actually, no. I want to I want to retract that. I have a really big problem with that because like it's just not feasible when when the average game size is anywhere between like what like a thousand to two thousand points. Generally, uh, yeah. You know, you don't you don't really see those formations, right? Like the Tyrians, for example. Like you know. Uh, Unfortunately, Tyrion players like have a codex and formations that were released very early in seventh edition, mm-hmm. and uh, it's my personal opinion that they were kind of used as like a testing ground for the formation rules. Um, yeah. Damn and Blood Angels and Dark Elder, a lot of these mm-hmm. early codexes kind of used as like what's going to work, what's not going to work, and uh, that problem was a very very real problem. Like there's the one Tyrion formation. It's like the uh, it's not Sky Blight. Oh, Sky Tide. It's called the Sky Tide. But it, it's it's the Sky Tide formation is literally three Sky Blights. Like it's yeah. three Sky. Like the minimum points for it is like twenty six hundred or some shit like that. Oh, wow. Like, 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 and when the fuck are you ever gonna play that? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and if you're already there, like you're playing Apocalypse now. 
Almost, and, yeah. And if you're playing Apocalypse, you're going to use like the, the awesome Apocalypse formations because yeah. most armies have got some pretty cool Apocalypse formations. Yeah. So, so that was my game with Dom. So, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Poor Dom. He's been uh, he's been under receiving end lately, but I don't care. He runs scat bikes. I I don't have much sympathy. Like Dom's <laughs> Dom's been a regular opponent of mine for the past like six months, where I've like just beating my head. You guys have like a you guys have like a rivalry going on now. Yeah, friendly rivalry. Yeah, something. friendly, obviously. Yeah, of course, friendly rivalry. Less friendly when he's played for Ravenwing, but. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Dark Angels. Oh, God. But Dark yeah. Well, he's it's been playing, so hard to kill He's them. been playing two really <laughs> powerful armies, so it's like. I mean, it's always fun games against Dawn. Yeah, but absolutely. He's a good guy. He's a really good opponent, too. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got to yeah. And he was playing Dark Angels before they got their huge boost, so he, he's earned it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not like he's just. Uh, power jumping between codexes or anything like that. Because we know yeah. Dom, because Dom doesn't even, like, you know, like, like when I played against his elder list the other night, like, it wasn't anything, oh, you know, overly powerful or anything yeah. like that. It was good, don't get me wrong, it was, a, it was a good list, but, you know, it's not a double raid night, uh, five minimum scat like squads with yeah. extra goodies on top of it, right? Yeah, like, I know exactly. Ryan, he runs pretty brutal elder list. Like, his is, uh... Yeah, I don't... His is a rightfully feared one. Yeah. All those warp spiders, man. Yeah, I don't like playing... <laughs> I, I like Ryan, I don't like enjoy playing him sometimes, because it's just like, I get tuned so badly. Yeah. Like, oh. And, and like, and I feel bad I feel bad for anybody using an army like that, because it's not, it's not their fault. Like, it's not like they wrote the fucking codex or anything, but... Yeah, but it sucks. It sucks to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah. And, like, I really hope that GW works to that point. And it seems to me like they're trying to get there now. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like once they discovered the the great the great slash terrible idea of a Decurian kind of style yeah. formation. Because um, I think it's, like, thematically awesome. And I think, true, every, yeah. and I think every army... I think every player realistically wants their army to have something like that, you know what I mean? Mm. So I'm happy to see that from like a player perspective in the sense that like finally like we're starting to see armies that are kind of like reflective of their fluff. Like yeah. Necrons being super duper hard to kill. Eldar with crazy advanced weaponry, right? Like yeah. all the D weapons and shit that they can bring. Uh Space Marines being the elite, you know, uh elite objective. Yeah. And also right? running like really strict formations like you need to take if you're taking a battle company it's exactly this yeah exactly I know some of them have like a a little bit of like looseness where it's like uh, you can have like zero to four you know of X unit or whatever for this formation but you're right and they're pretty like strictly regimented where you need this unit that unit and which makes sense for space marines right absolutely yeah um all right, before we get on too much of a tangent, we'll be right back with some rules lawyer. Okay, so the next segment we're going to be doing is rules lawyering. So Tyler's still with me for this segment, and we're going to be looking at cover saves, something that I'm sure every player has had a dispute about. At one point or another, yeah. I'm sure everybody's had some form of uh, debate about it. Yeah, no, that's a two-up cover save. <laughs> no, I've never played that one. So, uh, at the first place you should look when you're looking up cover saves is page 37 of the big rule book in the shooting phase. So, it specifically says when determining cover save, um, 
the target model's body, as defined on page 14, is at least 25% obscured from the point of view of at least one firer. And unless, other spe unless specifically stated otherwise, all models, all cover, sorry, provides a 5 plus cover save. So that's your basic. Yeah, it, it, it seems, it very clearly defines that, you know, unless otherwise stated in another rule or mm -hmm. terrain data sheet, as we'll discuss in a moment, uh, everything's a 5 up save. No yep. questions asked. And also, the 25% obscured is different than previous editions, which had quote unquote area terrain. Yes. Where if your model's on the base of a terrain piece, then they get covered regardless of whether or not they were behind a tree or behind a wall. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a big change when this edition switched. Yeah. Now, granted, area terrain does not exist, but we'll delve, obviously, we'll delve in a moment yeah. as to some rules that are very similar to area terrain. Yeah, we will. Um, um, so let's also, let's, well, I would like to mention too, like what, what defines a body, uh, it, it defines that on page, I believe, 14, yep. uh, at the beginning of your rule book, uh, it defines, uh, in the, under the line of sight paragraph, uh, where is it here? Uh, right there. Yeah, so for one model to have line of sight to another, you must be able to trace a straight, unblocked line from its body, uh, in parentheses, uh, the head, torso, arms, or legs to any part of the target's body. Yeah. So, you know, things like tails and uh, backpacks and banners and wings and, you know, all your fancy accessories on your model uh, don't count, which is a really important thing for players to remember. Yeah. It's very easy for somebody to go, oh, well, my gun's sticking out, so why can't I see you? You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, well, your gun's not part of the your model's body, technically. Yeah, and it specifically calls out those things, like wings, weapons, etc. Yeah. So if you've got a model, like, who's charging forward with a big sword sticking out, like, that sword does not... Yeah, it be, not it means absolutely nothing. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, it's the it's the core of the body, like, the and the main extremities, not the tails and antenna and stuff like that. Absolutely. So it's a very core thing for that. Uh, sometimes, you know, a, a lot of the arguments, at least personally, that I've kind of had with people... Uh, you know, a lot of that stems are just that. People are unfamiliar. Some people think that, like, oh, well, I can see the base. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter if you can see the base. You yeah. can see the body from your firing point. It's like, That's oh, well, true. I can't, you know? And it's like, well, there, there you go. Especially yeah. for Tyranids, which are, the, like, the most alien race. Yeah, like, I, I get, like, I get a lot of talks with people, right? A mm -hmm. lot of people are always asking, like, well, how are you possibly getting a cover from that? Or, like, how yeah. am I not seeing you? And it's like, well, it very clearly defines, you know, like, these little extra bits, all these spiky bits and mm -hmm. stuff like that, they don't count for line of sight, so, so uh, good thing to bear in mind. Yeah. The other thing, too, is intervening models give, terrain, uh, give cover saves. So if there is a unit between the target and the firer, the target receives a 5-plus cover save as if it was behind terrain. And even if you can see through gaps in the intervening unit, the target is still in cover, even if they're not, like, 25% obscured. Exactly. And, and I think, again, it's very easy for people to, to, to look at it. They go to the model's eye and they go, well, I can really clearly see that one unit through this gap. Like, yeah. You know, like, well, why couldn't they? And again, like, I think it's really important for people to remember this is a game of of strict rule set, mm -hmm. but it also has a sense of abstract you know, thinking that yeah. kind of needs to be applied to it, right? I mean, like your your guys aren't static on a battlefield. Like we're doing, mm -hmm. they're not. You know, this this isn't uh, you know rank and file warfare in the forty yeah. k universe, right? Things are moving around it, and you yeah. kind of have to add that feel to your games. I feel, yeah. you know what I mean? Like if you take if you take too strict of an approach on it, mm -hmm. then you kind of lose a bit of the flavor of the yeah. game. They also say like 
in here, it's if they a successful cover save, or just a successful cover save in this case might not mean that the fire has not shot at all, or might mean that the fire is not shot at all, missing the fleeting moment when the target was in its sights. So he's aiming, and then oh, a guy moves in the way, and he doesn't fire. Exactly. Like one of his like, friendly which is, which, which kind of just yeah. reinforces that whole abstract point, right? And I think they try to do that with a lot of these rules and say, mm-hmm. like, look, like we get that there's going to be. You know, some little holes in our rules and stuff yeah. like that, and it's up to you as the players to kind of use a little bit of common sense and stuff yeah. like that, right? And if you're in a tournament setting, that's going to be a little more difficult, but if it's a friendly game, I think players should keep in mind that this is a very cinematic game. Absolutely. And like, okay, well, technically rules is written, yeah, you can do this or shoot there, but I don't think that's really, I don't think you should be able to do that because it's very cinematic, or like allow someone to yeah, absolutely. make it in. I, I mean, that. especially with that level of game and the casual game, I mean, yeah. you, you, you both players really should have that kind of, uh, it's all good kind of attitude. You yeah, know what I definitely. Mean? So the, we mentioned area to terrain a few minutes yeah, ago, definitely. and on page 108, under terrain types in the battlefield terrain section, they go over uh, many different terrain types and the big one is, I think, ruins. Yes. that's very common. Yeah, very common and very explicitly different than the rest of the cover save rules. Yeah. So, uh, ruins are difficult terrain. Models and ruins receive a 4-plus cover save regardless of whether or not they are 25% obscured. So, that is... That's huge. Absolutely. Really. Like, when you... There's most of the terrain range from GW's ruins... Ruins are easy to build, so they're a common sight in, like, Garage Hammer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I, I've played a game where I forgot that, and the unit wasn't obscured by... Um, like a wall or whatever, Yeah, and right? then they got a cover, and then I didn't get the cover save. So that's something to keep in mind. And it's also things like craters are in the same way. Like, if they're not fully obscured, they still get their cover save. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and I get the grip with people who... Uh, you know, they look at this, they also kind of look back on, like, previous editions, and they go, like, well, it just doesn't look right, and this, mm-hmm. and this, and that, and so on and so forth, um, and bearing that, like, at least what I try to do with my terrain pieces, personally, mm-hmm. is I try to bear that in mind, and say, like, okay, well, I'm not gonna have, you see a lot of ruins where you'll have, like, let's say you got your square base for your piece of terrain, yeah. and the ruin is kind of, like, a, a corner section or whatever, yeah. right? Um, so, like, yeah, from, like, from... You know, fifty percent of the time, it seems appropriate that you get the four cover save. Then the other fifty percent, it seems kind of wonky. Yeah. Well, like true. I'll generally build ruins where like, like it'll be built up on one side, then the other side, like it'll be minimal, but it'll still have something. Yeah. So that way, you can always kind of like forgive the the situation yeah. by looking at it and be like, oh, sure, it's not as big as the wall, but I can see how abstract thinking, maybe the models kind of saw and doctor or whatever yeah. you want to imagine, right? Whatever yeah, like people four, f- four uh, walls instead of just two. Yeah, exactly, like right? Yeah. Just little things like that, like, to consider when you're modeling your terrain mm-hmm. um, and bearing in mind these rules, I, I think, I think yeah. it helps, helps at least avoid that problem, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, like things like defense lines too. Like uh, last time on the show, we were talking about the new Tau defense line. And okay. Like you only get the cover save if you're firing over the defense line. If you drop in behind the unit, they don't get the cover save. Yeah, Same yeah, with like, uh, yeah. Very, very, ABS. very clear difference in, in yeah. that one. Um, which is which is like, and, and again for like something like that, I mm-hmm. I find that's appropriate, right? Because I think that's cinematic to what it's supposed to represent, right? It's not. Yeah. Uh, I think ruins in game are supposed to be 
uh, even I think that runes are supposed to be a little bit more abstract than mm-hmm. you may or may not model them. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. think the rules are tr- there to, uh, to to not penalize people for modeling yeah. the runes in a certain way, and to also give you know the fact is some armies are cover reliant, right? Yeah. Or hell, we could argue that all armies are cover reliant mm-hmm. in today's meta with the obscene amount of weaponry that's out there. I mean, like low AP weapons, and like stuff low like AP that, weapons, yeah. grav, like all over the the amount of and, and unfortunately, there's so much ignores cover out there that yeah. it's you know it's it's kind of. Sometimes it's a moot point, even. Yeah, yeah. sometimes it, it really is, and which is something I'm not particularly fond of in a game. Um, but hopefully, like I think they'll get it'll get balanced out in time. Yeah, you know, I think right now it's just at a point where it's just a little excessive. It, you know, but it'll uh, swing back one day. Exactly. Um, so the next, so you were just talking about how uh, getting back on the area terrain. Yeah. So ruins are specifically called out, but for example, forests aren't, which is. Kind of odd because I feel like that's even less likely that a model's going to be obscured mm-hmm. by like the little trees and stuff. However, if you turn to page 183 of your rulebook, you will come upon terrain data sheets in the appendix of the rulebook. And in that, they have specific uh, rules for each piece of terrain that GW sells, mm-hmm. including craters, uh, crash spaceships, the Aquila Lander. The Battlescape, and the, where is it? Uh, page 190, the Twisted Cops, the Forest, yeah. essentially. A.K.A. Forest of 40K. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, but that's specifically called out also, that they receive a 5-up cover save, even if they're not uh, 25% obscured. Yep, so, absolutely. And that actually goes for most of this. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of the terrain data sheets are like that, actually. Yeah. Um... And I know at the beginning of that section, it kind of mentions, like, when designing your own terrain, like, to kind of bear in mind, like, yeah. hey, like, build your own data sheet associated mm-hmm. with it, you know? Like, I kind of like that Games Workshop kind of advocates that in the yeah. core rule set, you know? It kind of advocates, like, look, here's, you know, here's the general rule set, but it, it's free for you to modify, and here's some examples of how to do it, right? Yeah. Like, and how to approach that. So I think... Um, you know, like, like I, I know generally us with the club, like, we're, we're pretty, like, we're, we're pretty simple in the sense that, like, we just use, like, ruins, you know, line of sight yeah. terrain, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple area little barricades. Yeah, like, yeah, we pretty much keep it to just the area terrain yeah. for simplicity's sake. Um, but, I mean, it would be kind of cool to, like, have, you know, some, some terrain well, like, sheets, just, you know what I mean? Like, that well, I, I'm thinking of doing it from my home table, because I'll have... Like, I have a bunker, for example, right? And it's like, well, this has a door and firing slits. Like, I need to figure out what's the armor value. What's the uh, transport capacity of this? Yeah. And, like, I've got other terrain pieces. Like, okay, well, how does this how does this terrain piece work? Like, maybe this piece should be a ruin, except it goes by the um, obscured rule instead. So it's a big ruin. So if you're inside the ruin shooting at guys who aren't obscured... You don't get the coverage. Yeah, see, and it's funny that you mentioned that too with like your your personal home train. I yeah. I want to do the exact same thing actually, yeah, like yeah. with my Tyranid train, right? Like I want to have uh, kind of like, like these large sport chimneys, and, mm-hmm. and the same thing. Like the custom rule that I'm going to have for that is the fact that uh, despite the fact that there may be gaps in this model mm-hmm. uh, from like the borders of the capillary towers, uh, like the, the whole model just blocks line of sight. Yeah, I mean, like, and it's just that simple. It'll be yeah. impassable in a blocks line of sight, and like, and that's the rule for that particular terrain piece. Yeah, and uh, I think, like, you know, on a community basis, 
you know, it's, it's, if that's how you want to approach it, then, um, then go that route, you know, or, or, or keep it simple, just, up, you know, use the ruins rules and then just follow your cover save rules mm-hmm. straight out of the book. And I mean, realis- realistically, uh, I think that a lot of the cover problems are also really easily avoided by just checking the rule book. Yeah. Um, Which is what we try to do on the segment is like some of the stuff, none of the stuff is groundbreaking, but just going back and looking in depth at the rules and reminding people, it's like, this is how you draw a line of sight to a crazy alien monster with all these, like, horns and swords and stuff. Yeah, because it's very easy, like, uh, it's very easy for people to, to forget those yeah. simple little things, right? But they're very important uh, core mechanics. Like, I know on, on the last episode, actually, uh, that I listened to you guys on, um, you spoke about Deep Strike. Yeah. Uh, and got in-depth about that. And... Uh, you know, one thing that, believe it or not, I didn't learn until fairly recently, actually, was the fact that if you put something in reserve, you had to declare how it's going to arrive yeah. when you place it in reserve. Like, for example, like now when I play my games, if I put my high tyrants in reserve, I can't just put them in reserve, and then when it comes time, I'm like, oh, I'm going to fly them on, or I'm going to deep strike them on. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like yeah. I have to fly them on regardless, unless mm-hmm. I say I want to deep strike. And if I choose deep strike them, I can't decide the last second to also mm-hmm. fly them in. So it's, you know, uh, yeah. I, I think what we're talking about here in the cover is just, again, just reminding people, like, just remember these basic little points. Yeah. You really should just be able to avoid the cover situation with, with your opponents and stuff like that. And if mm-hmm. it really comes down to it, you know, the five-up cover save is the... the uh, it's a rule right out yeah. of the book, and it very clearly says if you know if it's not stated otherwise, it's a five up save. Yeah, I think the like this has been talked to death on other podcasts and stuff, but having that conversation with your opponent beforehand, going around the table and saying like, okay, this is ruins four plus, this is area terrain five up forest, yeah, this hill is open. If you're obscured, it's a five plus, like. Yeah, being clear. And, and, it, it, and like, seriously, guys, it takes, like, a minute to yeah, do, yeah, like, definitely. less than, like, 30 seconds. Like, you're really just going, okay, like, are you cool with, you know, establishing this, this, and mm-hmm. that? Yes? Beautiful. You yeah. Know, no problems. Cause, um, it's just funny, because I have this image in my head, too, writing data sheets for my home terrain collection, and, like, you know, printing them off, putting them in a binder, and just handing it to my opponents, like... Yeah, so here's all the terrain special rules for my table. <laughs> Gonna learn that in the next two minutes, and yeah, like, just study that real quick, and yeah. uh, I'll pop quiz, make sure that you got the yeah. this. And uh. <laughs> I don't remember when it was, but I think I was actually playing a game once at a. It wasn't at Brimstone. It was, I think, it was a store in Toronto, and someone was like pulling a rule out and saying like, "Oh, blah blah this and that," and like, "Well, okay, technically, my imperial unit in this rune is fearless because this is a." this specific ruin with this specific data sheet yeah so if you're gonna do that i'm gonna start pulling out terrain data sheets yeah exactly so, like, if you want to play that game all right we'll play that game so but uh, <laughs> why even another example of why it's so important to have that conversation absolutely yeah i mean like you, you don't want to have mini game surprises where suddenly you know player a is in favor of you know uh having the cover save and player b is like well yeah, exactly. no uh, you know we never established that or mm-hmm. this and that right so just just establish it with your opponents guys and realistically yeah. you won't have any problems yeah especially cover because it's such um it's, oh, it's such a frequent occurrence like it happens yeah. all the time and it's so important too in game right it, it's almost it's more of an abstract idea in a lot of cases yeah absolutely so. and a lot of people forget that i mean because yeah. because what's kind of odd about this game is that 
like most things are pretty straightforward and like you know mm. true line of sight and stuff like that but then it yeah. kind of throws you these curveballs with like the kind of abstract thinking you got to remember like yeah. these aren't supposed to represent static models they're just yeah. supposed to represent moving parts right like moving you know units and, and tanks yeah. and flyers or whatever you know yeah uh, so i think that's really important to remember okay uh, i think that's uh, good so we'll yeah. be right back with the main topic for our show So the main topic of our show tonight, we're going to be talking about various third-party FAQs, FAQ staying for Frequently Asked Questions. So Tyler is joining me on the show tonight because, A, he volunteered, for whatever reason. Because <laughs> I want to. And, uh, B, uh, Tyler is, I, I see you as, like, one of the main tournament players in our club. Mm-hmm. So when we were discussing the show topic, I thought, hey, this is a good time to tackle the third-party FAQs. Absolutely. The main ones being ITC and ETC, which stands for Independent Tournament Circuit and European Team Championships. So, uh, I guess, what is an FAQ? Well, an FAQ is uh, is just a, an opportunity uh, to answer a lot of exactly the standards for the frequently asked questions. Um, yeah. Uh, in this game, it's no surprise to anybody who plays Warhammer 40k that uh, rules conflicts occur all the time. Um, all the time, <laughs> uh, even in in the big rule book, there are plenty of conflicts uh, with themselves. Um, we've all run into wacky situations uh, when playing mm-hmm. the game. So these third parties try to balance it out in a way uh, for the competitive scene to just be balanced and fair for yeah. everybody, right? And to avoid, um, especially like when you're in tournament play, um, time is a very, very important factor. Yeah. Um, so you don't want to be wasting time calling over the referee every 15, 20 minutes yeah. for stupid little rules disputes. So these independent uh, parties, the third parties come along and try to create these templates uh, mm-hmm. for, you know, for the players to... Uh, to adapt, and, or sorry, to adopt uh, to their gaming, yeah, and bring to the tournament scenes. So that way, things flow, you know, quicker, more, uh, more efficiently, and stuff like yeah. that. Eh? So, and uh, Games Workshop has their own FAQs as well, but they're very limited, and they don't address a lot of the concerns. Yeah, and a lot of them are kind of like, like, why did you FAQ that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, like it, a lot of it's like, well, just go look at your rule book, and you can answer that question yourself. Yeah. Um, one of the things, though, is it does, there is a section in the core rulebook that calls out how to resolve rules disputes, and it's on page 10 under general principles in the sidebar, the most important rule. And it says, if you can't find the rule, or you uh, don't know what it is, and it's taking too long to look it up, roll off. And the yeah. winner goes with uh, whatever they're arguing in favor yeah. of. So, in terms of tournament play... I can see how a lot of competitive players would want to not be leaving know, that all up to chance, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, like in, in a competitive in a competitive environment when like when prizes are on the line, especially when there's cash prizes on the line, yeah, uh, players can't afford to leave things entirely up to the dice gods, right? I mean, there has to be there has to be uh, parameters set in place to avoid you know uh, you know needless 
you know, roll off like that. Yeah. Um, I know that for uh, the Highlander event that I ran uh, back in January, uh, I hadn't really established, I kind of like forgot to establish a kind of FAQ that we'd yeah. be following for it. And I remember there was a couple inst instances throughout the event where people were like, oh, we have a rules question here, like, what do we do? And I'm on the spot, I'm like, oh, you know what, I completely neglected to think about this, so let's just revert to the rule book standard, which is roll off for it. Right? Yeah. Um, and like, I, I remember specifically, because I was playing Kevin, and he was using uh, Invisible Centurions. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, okay, well, we're doing uh, ITC variant missions, and according to the ITC FAQ, this is how invisibility has changed. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, I had no idea we were doing that. And I came and asked him, like, you got to roll for it because I didn't establish it. And it went in Kevin's favor, and I don't think it was game-breaking or anything, but, like, that definitely came up during the time. Yeah, and, and I know, like, and for the next event that I'll be holding, mm -hmm. uh, which should be sometime probably around June, July, yeah. um, there's definitely going to be a very strict uh, FAQ uh, established for it, especially since like we're not going to be running a Highland format. This is going to be completely open format, yeah. uh, very similar to how uh, either IC or ETC runs it. Mm -hmm. So it's literally bring your A game, bring uh, you know, bring your tough nuts to crack, and yeah, you know, and uh, see how you fare. Nice. I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know um, what I'm running yet, but it's it's going to be exciting. I think like I think this year will because I really want to try and branch out to the outside. You know, outside of our club. The outside yeah. of our club and stuff like that. Uh, and really try to advertise the tournament through mm. multiple media. And hopefully we can get, like, like I would love to gun. Like, I think I'm going to try to gun for, like, a 20-man tournament this year. Like, yeah. a 24-man or, like, you know, a nice number that kind of, like, splits evenly. Mm -hmm. um, that That's going to be our goal this year. Yeah. Uh, really trying to increase that number. And, and also make... A uh, bigger prize pool. I think the registration I want to make a little steeper this year. Yeah. Instead of ten bucks, I'm going to make it like twenty or thirty bucks. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. So that way, there's you know people you know because I, I know what happened last year with the Highlander. Like the first place prize was only like thirty bucks or forty bucks or whatever. Like whatever it ended yeah. up being, it wasn't that much because like ten dollars a player with ten guys is mm -hmm. not really a whole lot to work with. Like, yeah. So. Um, but anyway, so the way the FAQs work is there's two things that they do. They clarify rules to speeds, as we kind of already touched on. Mm -hmm. So stuff that isn't in the rulebook, and that is, could go either way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, so we got the rules open here on the computer, and one of the things that is highlighted in red as a recent change is a unit may not voluntarily go back in reserves the same player turn that it comes out of reserves. Mm -hmm. So a flyer, for example, couldn't fly on the board, drop a bomb, and then fly off the board in the same turn. Mm -hmm. Which make you think it makes sense, but because it isn't specifically called on the rules, it's ambiguous. Mm -hmm. So it's important to have these FAQs. But also what the FAQs do is change some of the rules. Now, a good example of this is the invisibility, as we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Now, under the ITC, uh, instead of it being hitting on sixes, units shooting at an invisible unit do so at ballistic skill one and hit it on melee in five plus. And that's right on the first page of the ITC. I'll post these on the Facebook group. But, yeah, and and yeah. you know, and as compared to the ETC, uh, which uh, which basically. Uh, is straight out of the rulebook, played as it is, so you're firing snapshots, um, and it, all it clarifies under the ETC format is that if you're, uh, let's say, you know, you got a flamer template, and you're hitting unit A, which is not invisible, uh, and some of the template goes over 
uh, or top of uh, unit B that has uh, invisible models in it, it hits those models regardless. Mm -hmm. um, but you just can't choose at the primary target because the rules for invisibility is that you're sap shooting, right? So, yeah, so you can't, uh, target so you can't use your template and stuff like that. But, I mean, here in the IPC, you totally can. Yeah. And that's, that's a really... That's a very game-changing thing, right? I mean, yeah. like, ITC tones down invisibility pretty drastically, whereas ETC's mm -hmm. left a lot more, you know... I, I found when I was skimming the ETC, it was less rules changes. Not that the ITC is. Like, the ITC, for the most part, is just clarifications. Mm -hmm. But the ETC, for me, was a lot of obvious stuff. Like, uh, there was one thing under Chaos Demons. Like, independent characters in the Chaos Demons Codex cannot join... Chaos Space Marine units. I'm like, well, that's obvious. Because Chaos Space Marines don't demonic instability. Like, that's right in there. Rules is written. Mm -hmm. So, whereas ITC, like some things with invisibility, is right, is a, like a direct comparison, a direct amendment, or not comparison, a direct rules amendment. Mm -hmm. So, that's really interesting. Uh, what are some other big differences? I know you've highlighted one or two. Uh, yeah, like, I know that, uh, like, for example, like, uh, this affects me personally, um, uh, I know that, uh, when firing, uh, template weapons, I believe under ETC, uh, if your unit has the Skyfire rule, mm -hmm. you can shoot template and blast weapons at flyers and swooping monsters creatures, uh, so long as you have the Skyfire rule, whereas yeah. ITC, uh, None, none of that happens, plain and simple. Like, yeah. you, you, you cannot target them, regardless of whether you have Skyfire. However, it does also say in the ITC um, mm -hmm. that scattering templates, like scattering blasts in particular, can still hit uh, swooping monster creatures. Because there is a distinction between swooping, yeah. swooping monster creatures and flyers. There yeah. are subtle differences that a lot of people will forget. Like, I know when I'm playing my games, and I'm like, mm -hmm. my high tyrant's swooping in the air. People are like, and, you know, and then, like, uh, this always happens, especially when I take a cover save from a rune that he's in yeah. while I'm swooping people are like well he's in the air how is he getting yeah. a cover save it's like guys we gotta remember like we're this is an abstract game right there's a difference yeah. between a swooping monster creature and a flyer flyers explicitly mm -hmm. don't get any kind of cover because the rules say so where swooping monster creatures don't have that amendment yeah it's right out of the rule book right um so, so that difference right there is very uh very key um I know too there's another amendment um, when it comes to uh, templates, um, I know in the ETC, I believe, mm -hmm. um, it says that when you're shooting uh, templates, uh, I think it's under the ruins section, actually. Oh, there we go, ruins at the ETC. Yeah, so blasting template weapons uh, only hit one level of a ruin. Uh, so you have to announce which level you are firing at before rolling to hit, and then consider the final position of the center of the blast marker, so on and so forth, blah, 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 blah. Um, so this, like that little amendment right there is also very, uh, you know, very, very game-changing yeah. and very important because normally, straight out of the rule book, it's just whatever is underneath the template gets hit, regardless. It doesn't matter yeah. how many floors it is, whatever, that's how many models you hit. So this clarification is also uh, a very big change because, yeah. you know, again, right, if you're at a tournament and there's a three-level ruin uh, and you've got a lot of template weapons or boss weapons or whatever, um, you're not going to get the same effective use out of them as you normally would in a straight-out-of-the-book kind yeah. of game. That makes the uh, ruins a lot more important, because if it's, like, so three-level unit uh, ruin, I'm going to space out my unit on all the levels. Yeah, because you, so. you basically just you doubled the survivability of a unit, or yeah. tripled uh, the survivability unit by forcing your opponent to have to uh, 
you know, dictate which floors he's going to hit. Now, granted, this only applies to templates and blast weapons, um, but there's a lot of good template and blast weapons out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that kind of rely on getting those multiple hits. Like, I know with my high crowns in particular, um, like, I, you know, I need that, the ability to hit those multiple levels, especially, like, you know, a lot of the prime targets are things like scouts and pathfinders, and a lot of opponents generally kind of try to space them out. So, like, mm -hmm. right out of the rule book, it's never a problem, but when it comes to things like this, this is stuff, as a tournament player, you really have to pay attention and do your research on, um to make sure you're prepped for a game because you don't want to be unpleasantly surprised uh, mid-game with a clarification like this that you just weren't aware of. Yeah. And, I mean, these are, the problem, too, with this stuff is these are big documents. The ITC is 24 pages, and the ETC is 50... Yeah, 50, exactly. It's massive. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a lot of pages. And it's a pain in the ass to go through if it's just, like, in some cases, obvious uh, rules clarifications. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely stuff to get caught up. It's definitely something you got to be paying attention to. Absolutely, so. and and you know, uh, I understand how like uh, how especially a lot of the casual players and stuff like that like don't really mm -hmm. want to like invest the time of like okay, well, I don't want to like go nuts here and try and you know, amend every little thing or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but I also do think that it's a good thing for any club to have some kind of structure and some kind of template and guideline for these kinds of arguments, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, you don't want to just leave it up to that four-up roll-off all the time. Yeah. Right? It, some situations, it's not really that big of a deal. Um, but when it comes to these kind of, like, game-changing moments, like, it, it's really important to have that pre-clarified. Yeah. Um, if you're... It's interesting, because our club is a very diverse mix of, like, players in terms of... We have tournament players. We have narrative players. We have people who play very casually. We have people who are very, very competitive. Mm -hmm. So, for me, as, like, a more casual, more narrative player, like... Uh, I might not see the need to adopt an FAQ for our club, because, like, okay, well, when it comes up, we just discuss it, and then if we can't come to an agreement, we roll off. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, yourself or Ryan or someone who's, like, definitely on the more competitive end of the spectrum mm -hmm. is going to say, like, no, this should be in place, this is going to affect how I built my army. Exactly but right. But th that being said, though, like, it also, when that rules amendment... Or when that rules dispute comes up and you leave it to the roll of a die, that can be really frustrating. That's like a pivotal moment in the game. Absolutely. So, you know, so I, I think I think it's important for any club to adapt something. Like yeah. even if it's just their own. Like you don't have to go all out and go like and do what I've seen ETC did and go through every single army, mm -hmm. find all the little things that that's working, what's not working, and so on and so forth, and try and find a solution to it. Like, just, just work with your club, right? Like, work, work with the common problems and figure it out. And then I know with our club, like, we're going to establish a like some kind of club yeah. FAQ that, like, I'm not sure how we'll approach it. Maybe we'll adopt things from both EGC and ITC, mm -hmm. or maybe lean towards one or the other. Um, but what's well, interesting... To what we should do is adopt both of them, and then say on Saturday club days, it's ITC, and on Sunday club days, it's ETC. Just keep people really on their game. I'm just fucking with it. Like, I'm joking. <laughs> You're giving me that look of, like, horror. Like, no, no, I'm kidding. Like, no, no, well, <laughs> actually, like, it. you know what? Uh... After, like as you're saying, I was kind of thinking about it too, and actually, it's not a bad idea because at least, and I say that I say that because um, 
it, at least if we did it for a short term, uh, just so That's just true. so we could figure out what works and what doesn't for both sides, and then we can maybe create our own based off of our personal experiences from what the club as a whole is kind of finding from them. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you know, like as we mentioned earlier with the whole invisibility thing, like there are some big differences between the two sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I I already know that some guys in the club like might like one thing more and some are really not going to like it um, mm. and not agree with it. Um, which kind of comes to the next point too. And how do we as a club and, you know, and we'll kind of look at the ETC and the ITC here as examples too, yeah. uh, as to how they defer to um, figuring out which amendments to make. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we know that the ITC does regular quarterly voting polls. Yeah. And so the common questions will be uh, cast to vote and then decisions will be made from there. And then yeah. if they see how it goes and if it if it's continually it's still a problem, then it gets readjusted for the next vote. Mm-hmm. Um, now we were talking earlier this evening about that and we were kinda of talking about the effectiveness of a tactic like that as opposed to uh, I I believe and don't quote me on this, but because this is just what I I'm pretty sure how the EC does it. But they have their own kind of forum website, and what I think they do is they use this forum website to get the input of the community, and they mm-hmm. take all that information. And I think they have a small, uh, let's say like a panel of, you know, a panel of you know expert players or whatever yeah. it is that basically comes together and takes all this information on a yearly or quarterly basis or however frequent it is and then they themselves just kind of like try to find the balance and, and see what works for everybody kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's kind of briefly discuss about like kind of like the pros and cons of that. Well, one of the things, I think I've said this on the sh- show before, is having the ITC um, where they call everyone to vote, it's sort of the, it's democratic, which is good in the most part, but at the same time it's sort of like the tyranny of the herd. Mm-hmm. Like, if the majority players want one rules change or clarification, that does, those that majority isn't a majority of game designers. Those mm-hmm. are players, and some players might be really emotional about their decision, really emotionally attached to their figures and their rules and their army, mm-hmm. which I know I am. Like, this is a game that I invest a shit ton of money and time into. Oh, yes, we so, all do. Yeah, exactly. So it's only natural that people get, like, up in arms about certain things. And when... The like Tau Codex dropped and they amended stuff right out of there or like made clarifications against the Tau. Like my co host Jay was like pretty upset about that. He's like, well, this is bullshit, but I think some of it swung back. I, yeah, so. I, th- I think some of it swung back. I'm not sure exactly what um, yeah. and to what degree, uh, but you're right. And, 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 and on point with that too, the ITC also recently uh, voted the voted the amendment that gargantuan monstrous creatures no longer get the toe and cover from ruins mm-hmm. uh, cover save anymore um, which I personally don't agree with because again like you know like where's the line when it comes to amending rules and yeah. FAQing them to flat out changing them because um, I, I understand the complaint with having a like how tall is the race? I think it's like fourteen inches tall. Something like, like that. Yeah. It's it's a large model. It's it's a very very tall model. There's no doubt about that. So I don't blame players for being a little upset when they go to shoot at a wraith knight and it's got mm-hmm. a fraction of its base touching runes. That other player's going, well, I get a cover save. Um, yeah. You know, I, I can understand that, but we also have to remember 
we discussed this earlier in the episode. Uh, cover save, uh, especially when it comes to ruins, is an abstract idea. Yeah. And gargantuan monstrous creatures are also not vehicles. They're not so static and limited in their movements, right? I can imagine, especially uh, a lith uh, Eldar Wraith Knight being mm. a, really mobile on a battlefield. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a jump, you know, gargantuan monster creature and stuff like that, and they're not always just walking upright like that, so it has to be kind of imagined as you're able to get that cover save. Now, if if it were left up to me, I think I might have amended the rule so that they had a uh, like a, maybe like 50% of their base required to be touching the ruins in order to yeah. claim it, something like that. Like, I think it's little tweaks like that that at least balance the rule and not so much flat-out change it. Because, yeah, sure, you know, everybody who plays against Wraith Knights is really happy with that rule. All Elder players, I'm sure, are not happy with that rule. Yeah. And any other player that has Gargantuan Monsters Creatures available to them, for example, Tyranny Gargantuan Monsters Creatures, uh, also indirectly suffer from something like that, Or, like, right? uh, Storm Surges for the Tau. Yeah, like, all these little things. Like I don't know what else has Gargantuan Creatures. There's not too much in the game at this point. There's not a whole, whole lot. In fact, I think it's actually... Really just Some Forge World Greater Demons. Yeah, Forge World Greater Demons. Are, there's also like the Orc Swigoth or whatever yeah, I think it right. is. Um, yeah, and that's about it. There's really not too, too much. Yeah. Uh, so I just looked it up, by the way. It's uh, each game type that the ETC does has a Captain's Council, and they seem to decide. Like, uh, uh, yeah, see? So, yeah. So it is exactly that, yeah. right? They kind of have, you know, uh, exactly that. Like a, a, an ascent... An, uh, an assembly of... Like a governing these, body to make the decisions. Yeah, of there. experienced players who are yeah. well-versed with the tournament scene and the rules and this and that. Yeah. Um, and I think the advantage to that is that the motivation is a lot purer in that sense. Yeah. You know, um, and, and the fact that the common goal is to find balance between everybody mm-hmm. and you don't have that that the the mob mentality that you kind of find with IGC when it comes to the voting polls. Yeah. Um, but again, you also kind of lose that um, the democratic. Uh, the democratic. It's th- give and take, right? Yeah, exactly. But like with the ITC, anyone can go vote. You just put in your email address, mm-hmm. like where I can go and vote, even though I it's I may never play in an ITC specific event, but like. I don't want Tyranids to be at a disadvantage, so I'm going to go vote for Tyranid Gargantuan creatures for, you know, you if mm-hmm. you want to field them. Meanwhile, like, personally, I'm not an ITC player, so should I be voting? It doesn't affect me. Like, probably not. Yeah, exactly. And that's where the problem arises now, right? Where, like, especially with the, you know, with the internet or disposal, it's so easy to get people... Yeah try and bandwagon onto your side, right? Because you, you also have all these army-specific forums all over the place yeah. online. Um, you know, like, like, I myself am registered onto the Tyranid Hive, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know when I see polling goes up, uh, there's always a post saying, like, hey, like, there's some polls and there's some questions here that are going to affect you. Yeah. Go vote, you know, have, have a say in, in mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Um, you know, like, which is good to keep people up to date on it, but at the same time, we gotta, you know, we got we gotta really, I think, you know, approach this in the right way too, right? Yeah. And, and think of the game as a whole and how to balance everybody and accommodate everybody, right? Because you mm-hmm. you also don't want to be saying to elder players, well, you know what, you can't use your rate lines anymore. 
those expensive. I don't know about the, that. Those, expen yeah. <laughs> those expensive. I'd be okay with those that. expensive hundred and thirty dollar models or whatever that you bought. Uh, you know, it's unfortunately, now mean nothing. But you like, know. what if you went and did a poll where it's like, okay, Wraith Knights are now double their points cost. Like, that sounds fair to me. I have to deal with Wraith Knights. I compare to other gargantuan creatures. Yeah, but, you know what? Like, but uh, a lot of Eldar players would be pissed off. Like, they'd say, like, no, this is. You're not a game designer. You shouldn't be making that decision. And you know what? And when it comes down, and when it comes right down to it, uh, not everybody's going to be happy. No true. matter what you yeah, do. I remember. I remember when I uh, was speaking to Rob about like how I was going to like prep for my tournaments and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and like what I should do to accommodate everybody. He's like, "Let me tell you something. You're never going to please everybody. Yeah. No matter what you do. You know this from experience with your campaigns and everything, yeah, right? True. Like you just can't please everybody. You just have to accept that and do the best that you can. And what's great about both the IPC and ETC is that they both strive to do that. It's yeah. not like one or the other is above the other mm -hmm. in that sense, because they both have the same common goal, um, which which is which is ultimately competitive balance. Yeah. Right. Trying to find. Uh, ways so that way every army can kind of come to the table and have a shot. Mm. You know, unfortunately, we're not going to see that yet until I think every army is up to the seventh edition standard. Well, yes, except. So okay, I, I think we'll start seeing that. I'm not saying it's going to be an overnight change, but I think once everything's in the seventh edition, Decurion esque formation standard, there will be a sense of like the strengths and weaknesses of all the armies. Yeah, and things might start finally working towards a stronger sense of balance. Time will tell that one. This is well, at this point, I'm just theorizing what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, okay. This was um, this was a point we were discussing earlier. So every time a new code, not every time I should say, but like usually when a new codex comes out, that codex is the new hotness. GW releases new models with it mm -hmm. that have awesome rules and a bunch of people will say they're broken, which sometimes they are, or mm -hmm. sometimes they're not. But there'll be a new kid on the block with fancy rules, and it has been, there's been times, and right now it's almost like one of those times where every codex release sees a new army become top tier or at the, or the top army. And uh, I think believe it was on Canhammer tournament where they said, right now there are more top tier armies than any other time in 40k. Yeah, and yeah, then I was yeah. saying to you, it's like, well, yeah, that's true, but there's a much greater power disparity. Absolutely. And there, there always will be that power disparity because there will always be codex creep where each codex is a little stronger than the other one. Mm -hmm. So by the time, let's say Tyranids are the last codex to get their Decurion. Yeah. Well, by the time the Tyranids get their like Hive Fleet formation. The Necron Decurion detachment might be underpowered because, like, there's been so much codex creep. Absolutely. So I don't know if we're ever going to see it be at a place where yeah, they're I don't, all I don't, yeah, I don't think it's ever because it's especially a game of this level of complexity. Yeah, you're never going to achieve perfect balance. Mm -hmm. the The best you can do is get as close as you can. Yeah, that's um, true. Which and and to that point and to the credit of Games Workshop, I must say that you know since since the Decurion style, which started with Necrons, mm -hmm. all those codexes, even with the Necrons up to this point, are still like, haven't been pushed aside. You know, like yeah. I look, I think back on Fifth Edition, um, where I think it was a little bit more powerful with that whole that whole codex creep. Yeah, yeah. these formations didn't exist, but like the power creep was very real in Fifth yes. Edition. Like I remember when Tyranids came out, 
the Dune Mountain High was like this mm. thing that like people just feared forever, right? Yeah. And then you know things changed, and then like I remember the Blood Angels Codex came out, yeah, and was... all the 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 priests or whatever with the feeling of pain yeah. being able to spread across, like that became the new hot, like yeah, it's and then Drago Star when Grey Knights came out, and and what would like and what tend to happen like his fifth edition was notorious for having these kind of like really outrageous kind of rules and stuff yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Like remember my Jackal Scarabs? Oh god! And how yeah. freaking ridiculous those yeah, things were! Yeah. Like, good lord! Like, there was some really scary shit in fifth edition, mm-hmm. uh, where that power could was really more prevalent, and like a codex could come out and literally make the codex before it obsolete. Yeah. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning that is because with the seventh edition, since he added the whole decurion style, mm-hmm. like. Like when the Eldar came out, it didn't just suddenly make like the Necrons previous to it it's obsolete, true. right? Yeah. Like they're still, and even up to this point, the Necrons are still in the game. Space Marines still in the game. Tau in the game. Eldar in the game. Like they're yeah. not like they get a huge boost, and it's a big enough boost to kind of keep them through. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it seems like it's these Securian yeah. formations help uh, stabilize the army. I feel and allow it to continue forth in the meta. Unless um, you're orcs. Unless you're <laughs> orcs. Oh, man, do I feel for those orcs. Mind you, like, they, they did get a boost, but I don't think it was It wasn't, quite, it wasn't, it wasn't enough, enough. Yeah. It quite, it just wasn't enough. Unfortunately, the orcs are just, they're just at a bad spot right now, man. Yeah. Yeah, they're just tough. They're just like my turns and that. They're just, and the Blood Angels and Dark Eldar, they, they're all just really terribly timed codexes in yeah. that transitionary period between 6th and 7th. And I feel like those codexes were like, the testing grounds for a lot of the stuff, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and GW's attempt at trying to find a way to balance the introduction of formation yeah. super heavy. But like you that. said, like the Decurian style codexes, for the most part, are all still in the top bracket, top tier codexes. Absolutely. And they maintain like, that. Yeah, and, and I think that that will remain consistent all the way up until all the codexes are up to that 7th edition. Yeah. Now there's still going to be a power disparity because... That's, there will be there will no be a power spur, but I think that gap's going to shrink down tremendously. Yeah. Once everything gets to that that point, um, but unfortunately, right now, like you know, as you mentioned, uh, there there really is a very large gap between what's strong and what's weak. Like yeah. like orcs, you know, dark Eldar, blood angels, uh, even Tyranids. These are all like bottom of the barrel codexes. Yeah. They're all very weak codexes with you know. Uh, subpar internal design mm-hmm. and lacking the things that these newer codices have, like all yeah. these really nifty formations and stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? Um, like look at all this, like that new space hole stuff. A lot of like, that's pretty. It's awesome. so good, and then like you know, like I know that you're using some of those space wolf yeah, formations down like for your blood angels and, stuff. and f- yeah. shit. I don't blame you. I do the exact same thing. Like I'm gonna do the same for my tyrannids. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even. I'm not even doing that now. Like I, I've been doing Raven Guard. To like use Skyhammer and to have like better assault marines, mm-hmm. and Dom was saying it's like, oh, it's going to come to a time soon where you're going to be taking Blood Angels and as allies and just running Space Marines as regular. Well, that time is tomorrow, Dom, because that's the list I'm bringing. Yeah, like, like, I'm not even. That time is now. That, that, it's happening. That took about six days to happen. <laughs> so yeah, it's so true, man. So, like, it's just yeah. So um, talking about GW is. They seem to have started this new community initiative. There's been a lot of stuff on Bulls about it. 
Uh, Facebook pages have been popping up, so Forge World's Facebook page is back up. There's an official Warhammer mm-hmm. 40,000 Facebook page. And one of the first posts on there was, what are your FAQ questions? FA- what are your FAQs? So, and within 48 hours, there was nearly 2,000 comments on that. Which just I, goes to show you, like, how much the community wants it. Like, the community yeah. wants Games Workshop to be on top of their competitive scene, mm-hmm. on top of their rules amendments and stuff like that. Well, hopefully, yeah. Because you have all these other game companies that, that do exactly that. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I know that Privateer Press is very good for keeping on top yeah. other rules and stuff like that. Fantasy I know Fantasy Flight, Flight, Flight Games, Games is yeah, with very, very well adapted to that. Yeah. Um, and I think Games Workshop is finally... I don't. I want to knock on wood here. Uh, I think they're finally starting to get the big picture and understand that the the relationship between the customer, who is also a gamer, uh, and their company is extremely important. Well, the, yeah, specifically the community because like their customer support in case you have like a problem with a product from them mm-hmm. is uh, uh, I've been told quite good. I haven't personally had any experience with them, but the community support around yeah, every guy that I talked to from our club that's had to have returns, I've said like they're they bend over backwards yeah to do that and go above and beyond, like, which is great, which is a, which is a good yeah. thing. But their Just... community support no it has been until very recently non-existent. Since I would say since at least fifth edition. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think it was right actually around like mid late fifth edition when Games Workshop just pulled out and was like, we're not going to deal with it anymore. They were receiving. Yeah. I know they were receiving a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of fire. Uh, they were under yeah. fire for just a lot of things. But you know what? I, a lot of it was kind of rightfully deserved. I mean, because like things back then were were a little out of control like like yeah. I kind of mentioned earlier right you had these codexes that would come out and just make the codex previous completely obsolete yeah so so if GW is uh, coming back to the community side of things mm-hmm. putting out updated FAQs what does that mean to the ITC and the ETC FAQs are they going to become irrelevant do you think is the official GW FAQ going to be the only way to play or will there still be a place for the third I think, parties? I personally think what's going to happen is I don't think the third party is going to go anywhere. Um, because in, in terms of the rules, I mean, obviously they're still yeah, going to run tournaments. They're, yeah, they're, they're still going to run tournaments, but I think in terms of the rules, what's going to happen is um, I think both the ITC and ETC might be kind of forced to kind of adopt a lot of the FAQ answers because, like, it's from a tournament perspective, you, you, it's hard to hard to comp what the company kind of is trying to legitimize yeah. right? they're trying to find a standard that is balanced too hopefully um but uh but i i i can't see it completely overshadowing everything mm-hmm. because the fact is games workshop also can't get their greedy hands on every single tournament out there yeah um so you're going to have plenty of tournaments that that may not follow it so strictly, yeah. you know, and it might still adhere to these methods because, uh, you know, these methods have also become very, very popular mm-hmm. on tournament scene. <clears throat> the ITC has spread uh, very, very fast across yeah. the U.S. and Canada, um, and the ETC is extremely popular over in Europe and stuff like that. Um, and I really don't see that changing because I think, for me personally, I think one of the coolest things that the ITC and the ETC both do is that they integrate Eternal War with Maelstrom yeah. in the same mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that alone is is yeah. such a cool tactical game changer. Mm-hmm. And and as this new dimension to the game that uh, not only makes it more competitive but more fun because there's it's not so um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's not so like. It's not so straightforward, you know what I mean? Like it's I, like, more expansive and more. Yeah, because like, when you're playing, like when you're playing like a straight eternal war mission, you know that you're playing till the end of the game. Yeah. Like you're just worrying about capturing the best at the end of the game, right? Whereas when you're playing like an like a an ITC or ETC mission, mm-hmm. yeah, you got that, you know, that to worry about. But you don't want to give up the mouse turns throughout the course of the game because if you do that, you could very easily lose the game because yeah. you don't want to give your opponent those points for free. Yeah. You don't want to hand them the freebies. And uh, it creates a very interesting list-building challenges, yeah. too, eh? Trying to I, find what, what works to accommodate the, the mission parameters. Yeah. I think, as well, it's also a difference of priorities and goals. So, as I mentioned earlier, GW... Or as we were talking earlier, GW's priority is a business to sell models. Mm-hmm. So... When the new codex comes out, and it's the new hotness with like fancy new rules and undercosted wraith knights and whatever it happens to be. Just always want to get that extra job. <laughs> <into laughs> they, they are they are gross and yeah. There's so, no doubt about that. So there, there is definitely um, some effort in. I think, and you okay. You can argue. You make the argument that there's some effort made by GW to. Have the rules sell models. Mm-hmm. So their that priority is profit, whereas ETC and ITC, their priority is game balance. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think GW, the signs are starting to say that they're lean, swinging back towards having game balance as a higher priority. But they're a business, and profit will still be the primary priority. Yeah, that's always going to be uh, the primary goal, but I think... I think the the lesson that GW is starting to finally grasp is the fact that it, it's all tied in together, right? So like they've been really distant, distant, you know, excuse me, distancing themselves from the community for the past several years. Yeah. And uh, I think it's finally starting to show on their profit reports, right? Yeah. Because um, I, I know for a fact that uh, the company's still uh, still profiting, but their profit margin is shrinking by the quarter. Yeah. And like, and not just by small portions either, like like drastic numbers. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a bit of a wake up call for GW. Yeah. And it's them going, okay, you know what? Like we made a mistake. We we recognize that we need to have a good line of communication with okay. the player base, and and accommodate their needs. And and at this point, I think it's no secret that anybody who plays 40k, all we really want is just more clarification and balance. You know, and we don't want this. Uh, if you're playing on a competitive level. on a competitive level, but but okay. even but you know what, even in the fun level, I mean, like because it sucks fielding an army that just gets stomped every single game. Yeah, so. because you know what, because even because uh, fun is a subjective term, right? Yeah. Like there might be an elder player like who wants to run his break night for fun. Like he doesn't want to run it because you know. Yeah, and, and for like for argument's sake, let's say he's a new a new player, like he's a new guy, he just getting into Eldar because that's the army that just appeals to him. Loves and he the bought model. Their, yeah, yeah, loves the model, right? And then he goes to play his first few games, and he hears nothing but bitching and moaning by people who play against him, saying yeah. like, "Oh, you brought the cheap wraith knight, you're a cheap player, this and that, blah blah blah." Well, that guy doesn't know any better. Or if he brings a wraith army, right? And it's like, yeah. "Oh, you had to bring every D weapon. What's wrong with you?" It's like, look, I just like these models. I just like. 
the fluff of this army. I think it's really dark, really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can't really punish yeah. the guy, right? I mean, it's not... And again, and all that's subjective too, right? I mean, yeah. like, I've played some players throughout the years who were those, like, those win-at-all-cost players and mm. and that's their motive, right? Like, yeah. like, don't get me wrong, like, when I play my games, like, I play to win, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I don't win at all costs, right? Like, I'll do what I can, but it's not, uh, you know, like, I, I've played, like... a very like, competitive player where you're not out there to make enemies or something. Exactly, like exactly, yeah. right? I mean, you know me. Like, I'm still a, I'm still a good sport about my games. Yeah. No matter win, lose, or draw, like, it's all about the fun in the end. And fun to me is having a challenging fight yeah. with lots of tactical, you know, thinking and application to, to get a win, right? Yeah. And, and even if I lose, if, if, the, if the game is a good game, I could care less whether it's a win or a loss, right? Yeah. Just as long as both players had fun and that you learn from the game. Yeah. Because like, I, I try to learn from every single game as a, mm-hmm. as a competitive player. And even even casually speaking, I think it's important for anybody to try to learn from these lessons. Yeah, because um, you want to challenge yourself and you want to improve. Like, absolutely. And, 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 and I think, and you know, on the main topic of all these FAQs, uh, that's why I think it's really important to have some kind of structure for this. That way people yeah. have people have somewhere to go with it, you know what I mean? Like how are you gonna get better if every other game's different? In yeah. in the sense that like uh, the same rules conflict is resolved differently against yeah, player A true. and player B, right? Yeah. Like uh, it's hard to hard to gauge your own ability mm-hmm. when you don't have an accurate way to do so. Yeah. Um so that's that's a great thing that FAQs and, and stuff like that provide. Okay. I, th- I think we've been pretty comprehensive. Is there anything else you want to add for this subject? Uh, no. I mean, like, I at this point, I'm just curious, man. Like, I'm so yeah. curious to see what happens. Like, I really, I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic mm-hmm. that Games Workshop will really step up their game when yeah. it comes to this. Um, and I, and I just hope that they heed, like, heed the words of what people say out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh. And also, I, I hope they have a tough enough skin to take some of the heat that yeah. they're going to get. I mean, yeah. you know, unfortunately, there's some, some pretty hardcore venting on any online forum. Yeah. Um, and, and it takes somebody with tough skin to, to read through that. Yeah, um, for sure. But if they take things constructively and, uh, and adapt some mm-hmm. of these suggestions and ideas that people have, then we might see some really positive changes start coming out of Games Workshop that I think is really going to help uh, revitalize the faith and confidence in the company mm-hmm. um, because like it's no secret to you and I that throughout the years there's been plenty of players that have been alienated from the game and I think a lot of it yeah. is attributed to the fact that Games Workshop has been very ignorant to um, to the player base in terms of their complaints of the game and yeah. the structure of balance and stuff like that. Well, yeah, we've I've seen that in the club where a player, like a new book or a new edition will drop and they'll just like, you know what, this is bullshit, I'm sick of this, and I haven't seen them since. Yeah, and, so, and it's and it's very unfortunate, like, and it really sucks, especially with our community, man. Like, we have such a small community, yeah. you know, where every every player gone is a really big loss, yeah. and it's and it's hard to really strap those new guys in. I, like, I we both know that we've got tons of gamers here in the city, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are basement gamers, and it's really hard to kind of get people out of the shell because yeah. I feel people are really intimidated by 
um, by a lot of these things, right? Because yeah. things are so open-ended and there's no structure to some of these things and no solution, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I can only imagine, and I know from a fact, like when I played uh, strictly with my friends in the basement or whatever, yeah. um, there'd always be those, those rules conflicts and we never knew how best yeah. to, to solve them. And it wasn't until things like ITC and ETC started coming around where it was like, oh, well, this seems pretty good. This is a nice little template to kind of work from and stuff like that. Like, now we don't have to really worry about it. And it's, yeah. it's one less thing as a player that you have to worry about. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that's it from my perspective. I mean, I'm just, like I said, I'm hopeful that Games Workshop's going to uh, step up their game, man. Yeah. Well, I think, okay. it'll, I think it'll be an interesting few months. Absolutely. Sure. And really hold true to the title of Games Workshop, not yeah. Model Workshop. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll be right back with some Beyond the Rim. for Beyond the Rim, where we talk about games other than Warhammer 40,000. Beyond the Rim is uh, originally taken from a Fantasy Flight Games Edge of the Empire campaign booklet, which is a really fun campaign if you're into that sort of thing. I've run through myself. So, Tyler, you recently got into X-Wing. I did, You've thanks already, to you. <laughs> already kicked my ass several times with your Imperials. Man, they're pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie. So, like, so yeah. As you, as you already, as you just mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. I've been getting into the Imperials. Yeah. Um, I'm loving. Uh, I'm loving Interceptors right now. Suntier Fels. Yeah, Suntier Fels specifically yeah. is a bad mofo. Mm-hmm. Like, like basically three actions a turn is just too cool for school and it's not hard to position them in such a way where because yeah you get stressed after all said and done but it's not hard to position yourself in a in a place where you can easily de-stress without yeah. re- without worry of return fire and then do the same thing all over again yeah uh, which in our games is exactly what i tried to do like as you notice mm-hmm. like i i kind of flanked them really wide kind of kept them out of the battle for the first six rounds or so that's right and then yeah. he kind of just came in from the rear flank out of nowhere and joined the assault with vader yeah. and the, and the tie fos mm-hmm. um and yeah so like i'm also a fan of bringing like the multiple tie fos yeah. uh, and i know i talked about this with you before too like having like the difference between that the tie like the first order tie uh, fighters and the regular tie fighters is that shield that's and a huge part boy yeah. does it make a big difference yeah. Yeah, I really like the new Force Awakens stuff. Like I, like I, your recommendation, I was running a, a double T seventy list with a B wing and a Z ninety five, and uh, the guy I was playing against his name was, I want to say Ryan, not the Ryan Eldar Ryan. But, yeah, yeah, I th- uh, I'm pretty sure I overheard him saying that it was Ryan. Anyways, actually. he was he was cool, but uh, he was just like getting back into the game after not playing for a while, and mm-hmm. like I beat him pretty soundly. What was he but, running? Uh, he was playing Scum, he was running three ships, so a Y-Wing, uh, the YV-666, which is Bosk's Hound's Tooth, I don't know what pilot it was, and something else, I can't remember what his third ship was. I, I can't remember either, I, I remember the Y-Wing. And... Oh, it was the Karaz, like their, uh... Oh, yeah, the, uh, that, like the X-shaped... Starfighter, right? No, no, not the, that's the Starfighter. He was oh, running the Karaz, which is like their, I sort of see it as like their air superiority fighter. It is okay. stats very similar to the original T-65 X-Wing. Okay. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he was running. So, um, 
Yeah, he booted the Y-wing. Y-wing. No, no, it wasn't the Krauts. It was a Hawk. That's what he was running. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Too. I remember glancing over. I remember seeing it. I was like, "Oh yeah, I just because I had just because I was on the wiki, the wiki like a couple nights prior and just mm-hmm. going over like through all these ships and stuff like that. I remember coming yeah. across it and I remember glancing over and going, "Oh yeah, no. that's that ship." So yeah, he was running the Hawk. So. That's um, a very utility ship. Like, it gives a lot of boosts and, like, focus okay. weapons and shit. It's not powerful. Uh, I think he had an ion cannon on it as well. But he put his Y-Wing way too far forward, and all four of my ships just, like, pounced on it and wiped it out. Oof. And then I took up Hawk pretty quick because it's not a tough ship. I, I don't then, recall. You have to remind me on the stats of, uh, of the Y-Wing. Like, what's it like in terms of, like, like hull, It's shield. very tough, so it's... As tough as a uh, B-Wing, except the hull and shields are swapped, so it is three shields and five hull. Okay. But it's not very maneuverable. So, it, uh, it, it, you know, that's eight points of damage you need to deal, but when you're up against a B-Wing, two T-70s, and a Zed, that's a lot of red dice coming your way. So yeah, it didn't absolutely. last very long. But And then by then I had a huge ship advantage and was just able to, like, just keep, pick apart just that, keep going. Just pick apart that hound's yeah, well, the Hawk is only, I think it only is five total hit points overall between shields and hull. It might be a little more, but it, like I said, not a tough ship. So that went down, and then the Houndstooth's pretty tough with six hull and shields each, like, so mm. 12 total. But, man, that it by then it was just... Does it like, even have any, uh, does it have agility at all? Or maybe agility one? Yeah, it's agility one. Uh, there was actually he did a really yeah he did a really good play at one point because the hound's tooth has a zero speed maneuver I don't know if you've seen those yet oh no I haven't actually yeah it's like you pull the e brake and your ship doesn't move and just gets I think all of them have stress so the lambda has it and the hound's tooth has it and there's a way to give it to other ships too I believe okay but like I did a bunch of K turns and stuff to get my ships ready to attack him and then he pulled the e brake I'm like oh half my ships are out of Art. now I can't shoot you. Uh, well fair. played, but by then it was like too low, too late. Yeah, so. I'm trying to remember our last game. What? What were you using in that game? Oh, that I was, was running my old That was where you were running the old terminals. So K wing, B wing, and Poe Dameron and the new X wing. Yes, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah, I've talked about it on the show before, and like just that list. I don't know if I just like really had a bad brain fart that night or it turns out that list just did not stand up to more ships than itself mm-hmm. so yeah that, so anyways that's why I'm running a different list and changing up my tournament list so. yeah I'm going to be trying something a little different like I've been using as you know soon tier fell along with uh, Vader yeah. uh, with swarm, taxic, swarm tactics uh, engine upgrade and the accuracy corrector yeah, um, along with those two TIFOs. And uh, I'm actually, that accuracy corrector is coming in handy a lot. Yeah. Um, because, like, he only has two attacks anyways. That's where you um, cancel all results and put two hits in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, like, and, and all through with my experience, at least, um, it's been invaluable just to get, like, get those shields planked away that I need planked away mm-hmm. in a certain mm-hmm. round. Or get that last damage or two yeah. that I really need on a ship. Or at least try to help guarantee that last damage getting through. Um, and Vader's pretty boss. Yeah, I really with, like him. With the double action. Yeah. It's fucking cool. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he's, he's, a, he's not too super tough. Like, what, I think... He's only got five, five total. Five yeah. total. Um, 
But I mean, you give him the, you give him the engine upgrade, and the, you know, and the fact that he does double actions, yeah, you're you know it's pretty easy to he's keep got better friends with. Yeah, he's got three agility and evade, so he's he's hard to hit, but he doesn't have a lot of health. No, so. that's that's the one downfall. It's one downfall of a lot of the imperial ships I find. Yeah, um, specifically like the like the ties, uh, like yeah. the interceptors and stuff like that. Eh. Um, but man, like, I still can't get over soon to your fell. <laughs> have you have you looked at the new ships that just came out, like the Inquisitor's tie and all that? Uh, yes, I'm trying to remember. I, I I remember looking at it and remember going like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." Uh, but I can't remember the rules offhand. Do you remember the Inquisitor's ability no. offhand? And <laughs> yeah, do I? I don't recall it offhand. But I do remember like looking at it and going, "Oh, that's pretty sweet." Um, mm-hmm. I do also have another list I want to try. Um, it's a little more swarmy, uh, so it's got a couple TIE FOs, um, Hellrunner, uh, in the back to re-roll their attack dice. Right, yeah. And, uh... The new guy. Then there's the Youngster. Yeah, that's the one. And so that way, like, everybody can perform, like, free action upgrades. Mm Um... Which I'm pretty sure I gave him expert handling, so everybody just has like free barrel rolls or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool. And then you can barrel roll away target locks too. I think that's what expert handling does. Does it? Like you perform barrel roll and then you remove target lock. Oh, okay, yeah. I think. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, I, you're right. I think there is a secondary effect. Yeah. Maybe that is it. I don't yeah. recall either. Um, and then it also has Carnor Jax. Who's a tie interceptor, and he yeah. has a rule where enemy ships uh, in range one uh, can't use evade or focus tokens. Whoa. Yeah, he is the bane of any strategy that uses that. Wow, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. So, like the strategy that I basically want to try out is just swarming ships mm-hmm. and sneaking Carnor Jackson there, and I I was thinking of giving him intimidation. So I'm just going to purposely try and run him into ships and just lower that agility yeah. and just laugh as they don't get to use any evade, no focus, mm-hmm. and I just pummel them with like, you know, two two or eight, you know, red dice. Yeah. That I get to re-roll half of it. <laughs> so yeah. it seems like, it, it's on paper, it seems like it'd be pretty good. I'll, I'll see how it performs when I test yeah. it out. So I'm going the opposite way with my next list. I want to get the new Ghost that just came out. I don't know why I want that too. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. But I want to run a one ship list. Oh, really? <laughs> Just the ghost, wow. and I guess the phantom on top too. But brutal. And All I right. don't know. I don't know how it's going to do, but I think it'd be fun. Okay. So I'm going to try and make like the toughest motherfucker in the galaxy in freighter form, and just see what happens. Nice. That sounds pretty badass, yeah. actually. Because I was I was building it up, and I was like, okay, I need to get to 100. And I was finished. And I looked at my list, and I'm like, oh, I'm at 116. Like, <laughs> let's tone this down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Speaking of large ships, actually, uh, I think I know which large ship I'm going to make for my first purchase. Okay. I'm going to get the uh, VT Decimator. Oh, yeah. That thing's yeah. amazing. And I'm going to take, I forget the pilot's name, it starts with an O, I believe, but he has the ability where whenever he overlaps a ship. Oh, the ramming guy, yeah. Yeah, he's like the ramming guy. He just does like a bonus, like a free damage to it. Yeah. Which is like insanely awesome. And there's it's a, such a big ship that it's not really yeah. hard to ram. There's out. a title that goes with it too that does something as well. Yeah, it's like there's, I know there's a way to basically be able to do two damage. Yeah. 
uh, for free. The, the thing, movie. yeah, the decimator. It's slow. Well, sorry, let me rephrase that. It's not very maneuverable, but because it has such a large base, it's surprisingly quick. Like it jumps forward. Oh, really? Really fast. Yeah, that's something that I kind of forget about with large ships. Is like because the way you move them, that base gives it that extra. That, yeah, that juice. extra whatever that. Extra like inch or two inches or something, whatever it is. It is pretty thin because I, I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember like seeing uh, when I was playing you when you were using uh, Dash Rendar in the YT uh, in the YT twenty four hundred. Yeah, like um, I was just surprised. I was like, I was like, how the fuck did he flame me that fast? Yeah. And like on top of that, he's just like jumping into asteroids and laughing about it. And I'm yeah. like, hey. I want to be able to do that. <laughs> I got. I got to try and like dodge these yeah. freaking asteroids and like like I was kind of bad with my my movements in that game, but I was lucky yeah. and I, I didn't. I don't think I suffered a single point of damage for no. all the asteroids. That I, I went through the asteroids like four times in that game or something. Yeah, but thankfully I didn't suffer any damage. My uh, roommate Daryl, who's been on the show for Beyond the Brim, he he's um. He's a good player, but he runs into asteroids a lot. Oh, no, like, <laughs> even though I run, like, Dash Renderer, I'm usually pretty good at dodging him. Like, I'll do, like, this perfect flyby and just, like, oh, nice. I have you now, and then roll blanks. And, like, oh, well, that was great. Like, he just... You know what my problem is right now, and what I am going to be, like, working on trying to finesse with my X-Men game mm. is my turns. Like, yeah. I look at a turn, and I, like, I look at, like, like the three turn, and I'm, like... Okay, that's a pretty, like, wide turn, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it actually ends up being sharper than you might think. Yeah. And, like, so, like, I remember the one game, in fact, it was in that game when I was playing you, mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to make this turn here, and that should clearly do that. Yeah, for no problem. Like theoretically looking at it, yeah. and then I go to, to like do the move, and I'm like, oh, that that's a lot steeper than I thought. Yeah. And sure enough, I like, overlap the asteroid, then I end up in the asteroid. I'm like, oh shit, great. So no actions and uh, risk of damage. <laughs> yeah. One thing to keep in mind. I don't know if I already mentioned this or you already know this, but like a turn, your ship will always rotate ninety degrees, and a bank, it's forty five degrees, regardless of the speed. Okay. So that yeah, like that that I am aware of just yeah. on, based on the shape of all these templates yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Like it's easy to kind of figure that out, but just the distances also change yeah. that. Like like there's a huge difference between like a one bank and a three bank, right? Yeah. Like it's the same angle, but when your your initial point and your end yeah. point is that different, yeah, it just kind of spaces it up more, and it's. It's definitely the thing that the thing that is challenging but cool about X Wing is that mm -hmm. you have to kind of get good at like figuring out how the maneuvering works because that's what yeah. the game's all about. The game's all about positioning and getting in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, and, and it's and looking at that damage. It's definitely a it's a learned skill. Like you just practice and you get better at visualizing like where your ship's gonna go and when you're playing your maneuvers, it becomes more and more accurate. Mm -hmm. It just takes time. Yeah. And, like, some people were better at it than others, but, like, yeah, it, it's something that, like, I've seen, I've taught people the game before and seen other people, and, like, people just, like, fuck it up, and just, you need to keep going at it. And I was, I was playing with my co-host, and he was, like, flying his ties in, like, perfect formation. I'm like, wow, you really picked up on this. Like, yeah, I was practicing before you came out, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. And, yeah. you know, and speaking of which, like, I've actually, uh... Uh, since I got into X-Wing, I've mm -hmm. introduced the game to uh, 
my girlfriend, my sister, mm-hmm. and a good buddy of mine, mm-hmm. and all three of them just loved it. Like, yeah, it's a fun it's, game. It's fun, and it's easy to introduce to people. I, mm-hmm. I actually used your, I totally hijacked oh, your good. GG method, yeah. which works flawlessly, by the way. Yeah. Um, the three-step method. The, the three-step method. <laughs> or three-game method, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, I got everybody just, like, right fucking hooked to that game, because mm-hmm. it's, it's so addicting. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's a really fun, fast-paced quick game to complete you know mm. like i know like our games take about like an hour and a half like it doesn't oh for 40k or for no 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 oh, for, for, for x-wing yeah. like like the games aren't you know unbearably long right like mm-hmm. where i've had like some warhammer games that have stretched on much longer than they should yeah you know like you've we've all played those 40k games where it's like okay hey, we played a 1500 point game that lasted for four and a half hours like how the hell did that happen yeah <laughs> you know what i mean um so yeah i think uh because you're carrying, like, six different rule books to the game and need to go through <laughs> all of them. Yeah, especially as a Tyrion player. I'm like, all right, so I got formations in about 17 different source books, so let me just whip that out here. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Wrong Side of the Maelstrom. If you haven't already, please follow us on Facebook and iTunes, and feel free to drop us a line on iToysoldiers or at wrongsideofthemaelstrom at gmail.com. I'd like to thank my friend Tyler for coming on the show tonight. He was a great guest, and I hope we'll have him back. Uh, finally, we have a hobby challenge going on right now, so go to iToy Soldiers or our Facebook page and get involved with the Finish Your Army Challenge. Uh, be sure to support your local retailers. If you're local to Windsor, check out Brimstone Games. Jason's Home Store is a games workshop at Young and Lawrence, but uh, Meeple Mart, Dueling Grounds, and X-Planet are also great stores in the Toronto area. And we hope you've enjoyed listening, and we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom.